we are going to launch in and drink some beers. Welcome everybody to Tanked Up. It's episode 260. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, here with Lucy. Hello. Uh, Adol. Hi. And we're joined by another guest. This week we're joined by Andy from Vault City. Hey Andy, how you doing? Hello. I'm doing alright, thanks. How are you guys getting on? Good. Yeah, good mate. Good, thank you. Good. For Tuesday, is it Tuesday? I yes. Don't know. Days of the week are weird these days. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what year is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the shop at the moment. Um, Funny anecdote, my... Uh... I saw my aunt briefly, and she handed me a card, and I immediately started opening it, and she was like, it's for your birthday. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got a birthday this week, and I didn't even know. So like, Amazing. I, I just thought she was giving me a card, because no, I haven't seen her in ages. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. What is time? Nice. Yeah. Um, Andy, you very kindly sent oh. us all um, some beers to um, to drink along with you tonight. Um, yes. So, I have a small confession on that front. Oh. Hmm? I may have already drunk one of them, and and <laughs> I may not be able to join in with one of the beers. That's fine. We'll get started and see how far we get. Let's. I it's mean, right. I we. we <laughs> you sent us uh, like a range of beers, so we'll try and yeah. check off as many as we can as we go through. Um, we'll open some beers first, and then we'll launch into Vault City. What you guys are up to, what you guys do. Um, yeah, cool. First. So, I thought um, I'll probably start with the lower beer first. Uh, I, I have already drank, I say I, I actually mean my wife, has already <laughs> drank both of that them. The, uh, the watermelon um, session sours. I cracked one open and I said, You'll probably like this to my wife. And she said, Oh, yeah, I do. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and then as the night went on and I had more beers to drink. She went, could I have that other watermelon sour? It's like, it's literally the only beer we have found to share together that she has, um, that oh, she has wanted it. more of. We did yeah. try the, um, you guys did an OJ um, yes. one as OG well. IPA. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. And she yeah. liked it, but only to have Enough a very small sweat. amount. She was like, I like the flavor but I can't drink a lot of this. Yeah, I'm not going to go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to crack open the Passion Fruit Session Sour, which is 4.5%. Brill. That's what I've got right in front of me. I, I cracked it just as we hit um, hit record there, so you'll have to bleep that one out. Perfect. That's good. Good. Uh, Adult and Lucy, are you guys having the watermelon? We are having the watermelon. Uh, oh, nice. And in, in true tanked-up fashion... Uh, so it's a 4.1% sour. Uh, when we des- des- yeah. when we devised the Session Sour range, our vision was to create the most refreshing beers for the warmer months. Now as the sun makes itself known again, we're releasing our most mouth-watering modern sour beer yet. Succulent watermelon is the perfect partner for our house-mixed culture. Juice bomb exotic fruit meets tropical fermentation character in a light and spritzy beer. Settle in for a sour session. Oh man, it's so strange hearing my own words spoken back to me. <laughs> when I, uh, I, sit in my, I sit in my little brewery corner and I type away on my laptop and, and then somebody has a, a beautiful voiceover effect for them. That was, uh, that was glorious. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Stumbled a couple of times. I'm also not used to, yeah, reading. I was like, 
Well, I didn't know you wrote it, but I'm like, I am literally just telling you about your beer. I was like, well, this is a weird that. moment. Cool. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we get of course, to tell. for our listeners as well. Exactly. Of course. For everyone yeah. else. Uh, the Passion Fruit also has some flavor text, um, which I can reel off very swiftly. Uh, a favorite fruit of ours to pair with our modern sour beer gets a session mm. sour all of its own. Passion fruit. Tart, sweet, and heady tropical fruit rushes from the glass in full force, dominating the aroma while waves of exotic flavour crash over your palate. Our house-mixed culture has a tropical ester profile, which lends a hand to the clean vibrance of the passion fruit. Settle in for a sour session. Cool. Oh man, this is great. Tough and tailored as well. <laughs> That's it. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're always here for paid gigs. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you guys back on our podcast next week. <laughs> nice. nice. For sure, yeah. There's that we don't we don't have a podcast I like. I kind of figured. <laughs> so uh, yeah, these are these are two of our session sours. So we'll we'll kind of dive straight in there. May as well just get get straight on with the beer. Um, we uh, you, both the descriptions very tactfully. I'll I'll hold my hand up and, and admit. Uh, mentioned the sessions are arranged, the modern sour beer, mm. and also our house mix culture. Mm. So they're they're two three things that I, I try and mention on all the bottle labels and try and talk about with all of our beers when we launch them um and the sessions our series actually came to being about this time last year so summer was just kind of creeping around before that all the beers had been a good bit higher in percentage kind of seven percent plus something like that and um it stemmed from kind of we want to stay i don't want to say hydrated but maybe refreshed at the brewery <laughs> when it gets a little bit warmer in the summer and uh, uh, looking for inspiration of flavors that are just really refreshing, vibrant, fun, um, that we could put into a smaller format, smaller ABV, make it more sessionable, like you're going out to the park. The idea with these beers is more like grabbing a six pack and going to the beach mm. rather than getting a sixth of a bottle at a bottle share. You know, yeah, that's right. the, we'll get to those, don't worry. But we're definitely going in a different kind of direction with the, the vibe of this beer. It's for a different occasion. So we wanted it to be presented quite differently. So they're in smaller format bottles. Uh, they're lower ABV. We're able to put them out a little bit more cheaply as well, so you can have a few of them and, and you know not hurt the wallet too much. Um, and for me, this is my my favorite series as a session sours because you can sit back and drink all night, and I can still get up with my kid in the morning without headache. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the passion fruit is the most recent one, and the watermelon was the the previous release. So we have a kind of two week turnaround where we launch three beers every two weeks, and they come from our are three different series. So we have modern sour beer as a bit of a catch-all, and then we have our session sours. We have up at the other end at kind of 10% plus, and, and usually based on baked goods or some kind of crazy combination of fruit, is our silly sours. So that's getting getting silly into that territory. And uh, in the middle, we have our serious sours. Internally, we were calling them normal, but, you know, 7%, <laughs> 300 grams per liter, crazy fruited sour beer is, is pretty far from normal, so we decided to stick with serious. Um, so we've got the session, the si serious, and the silly series to get through, which is great fun to say with my Scottish accent and my lisp. I don't know if anybody caught on that. No, but, um, not at all. Yeah, please oh, no, don't mention me. it. Sorry, right. I've got a lisp too. So I will not <laughs> even attempt to say that. Yeah, I will not even I, attempt it. The number of times I've said all those S's in quick succession, no less. Seashells, <laughs> <laughs> uh, seashells. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, two really fun beers. Um, the session sours have kind of evolved a little bit naturally into being typically just one fruit. Um, that was kind of a progression over time. We started out with a cloudy lemonade session sour and a Ribena, uh, spelt differently, but a riff on, on Ribena soft drinks. 
Um, and then since then, we've done a, a load of different stuff. We did a Havana Sour, which was like a mini mojito, uh, which is nice. one of my favorite ones. That was actually a beer that I totally cocked up. And uh, we can swear, right? We have the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I can go for it. fucked up that beer <laughs> um, in the best way. <laughs> so I, I came into the brewery and there was a pallet of uh, lime, of lime juice. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Steve orders in the amount of fruit and I put it in the beer and the job's good. And so I put in 600 kilos of lime juice into this one session sour beer. And it was only supposed to have 200. Oh, <laughs> so I went a little bit over the top on that one. We may have not made uh, made much profit on that beer, but it was fucking delicious. So I'll take nice. it for the win. <laughs> hey, that's a win. Yeah, leaves, leaves a lot so. of beers there for you to drink as well. That's you know, yeah, it's fine. It's all good, right? It's science. <laughs> that is hard science. <laughs> uh, ben, do you want to tell us about what what that that tastes like? Mm, yeah, I mean, how are you enjoying the passion fruit? It's, it's really really nice. Um, it's it's it is sort of a very big passion fruit flavor as you would expect, but it's got this like nice um, I suppose kind of like tartness to it, sort of right at the start. But it dries out really quickly, mm. but everything kind of still sticks around. So it's not like mm -hmm. it dries out and it fades away. It it just lasts and lasts and lasts for days. And I'm going back more because again. I'm so dry and I'm talking more now and it's like right I want to I want some more of this but when I have some more whilst it <laughs> ah, is a big kind of yeah it's a big rush of flavor it is a big refreshment ah but then it just sits there I'm like oh yeah I could you know I I could sit this here for 10 minutes and slowly kind of sip it but mm -hmm. it's calling me <laughs> the sirens call. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's um the the kind of beers that we make and the profiles that we that we look for in our beers when when we're producing them. It's um it's all about balance and a lot of sour mm. beer. I'm sure you guys have tried plenty of sour beers recently. A lot of people are putting a lot more of them out, but a lot of the time they can be very very dry. Yeah, and they can be quite um I want to say aggressive in their acidity as well. Um, whereas we look to actually have quite a bit of sweetness, residual sweetness from the fermentation left in our beers to help balance that acidity. The acidity isn't crazy either. It's definitely, like you said, a tartness. Um, mm. That's the kind of direction it should lead into that fruit flavor. So we want it to be all about the expression of that fruit um, and not having you know, so much sour, it'll, it'll melt your back teeth. Um, yes. And not being so dry, it's like licking boot leather. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love those kind of sour beers as well, but that's not what these beers are about. These yeah. beers are about having fun and big flavors and being a bit more kind of accessible and, and, and approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, even Lauren said it last week on our podcast, she was saying these are a good introduction to sours because they have that mm -hmm. sweetness. Yes. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, spoilers. I <laughs> opened up the blueberry and uh, lemon drizzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom, she, you know, I, I let her taste some of the beers. She's uh -huh. not a beer drinker, but I let her taste some of the beers. Yeah, she hates sours, and I said, "You'll get there. You'll get there in time." <laughs> but this was probably the the lemon, uh, the blueberry and lemon, lemon drizzle is probably the only one that she didn't just have a, you know, immediate reaction to and said, oh, yeah. "That's actually quite sweet," you know. Yeah, I, yeah. My my immediate, you know, thought of it was like, "Yeah, that's got some sweetness to it." So it's like, here you go, have a taste. Yeah, a little, so this is this is the gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. There's, um, it's amazing where kind of a lot of people who, who enjoy our beers and, and tell us great things about our beers, which is lovely to hear. Um, they're either people that don't like 
sour beer and have ended up really liking sour beer because they've been craft beer drinkers and stumbled across this, or they don't like beer, full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a big thing for me. I've worked for a couple of sour breweries before before Bolt City, and it's something we've seen time and time again, that people that actively don't like beer generally don't like bitterness. And that's what yeah. they're saying when they say they don't like beer. But people who like wine and like cider and like mixed drinks, they like fruity flavors and they like yeah. sweetness um, and they like acidity. A lot of wine has a lot of acidity in it mm. to, to lower degrees. So all of a sudden, all of these flavor profiles are perfectly positioned to, to bring people into beer and kind of reverse in the back. I always think of it a bit like a spectrum or, or a journey, if you like, um, where your typical craft beer journey is, you know, you started drinking lagers when you're a teenager, or in my case, it was vodka Coke because of the heathen. <laughs> and uh, then you might get introduced to like an IPA or, uh, or a relail if you go down that kind of route. Yeah. If um, you know, that's the kind of the gateway, as it were. And you move on and you probably go through a big stout phase where all you drink is stouts. If you're unlucky like me, you have a barley wine kind of segue and you lose <laughs> six months of your life. <laughs> and then at the end of the road, you've got this kind of pinnacle of nerdy craft beardom, which is sour beer. And that's definitely how I got there. I think that's how a lot of people get there. But there's this total other end of the spectrum of people that don't like beer and have nothing to do with that journey at all, who end up drinking sour beer and almost coming in the back door, um, which I think is really interesting melting yeah. point. It's like super geekdom. And also, don't give a fuck, I'm just here for the tasty bit. <laughs> yeah. Which is great at beer festivals, you know, you have a real mix at your stand. Mm. Nice, yeah, I, I, I can completely see that, especially with these, with the session um, sours as well. Mm. Just concentrating on that kind of one flavour and having yeah. a rotating list. If people, you know, my wife goes, I like watermelon, so mm-hmm. what's the chances are I will like this flavour? And she absolutely yeah. did. And it, you can see how now... Anytime I go to the bottle shop, she's going to say, <laughs> just, just a get a couple one. of those ones. <laughs> those, uh, those watermelon ones, that'd be good. <laughs> mm, mm. I just have to have yeah, a big no, back order of them, wouldn't I, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> can I just say, can you, have you ever like thought of cutting a deal with like Yankee Candles? Because the smell oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. is just unbelievable. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we pack a lot of aroma into our beers. Yeah. It's a testament to the stupid amount of fruit. It is quite literally a stupid amount of fruit that we put into these beers. Um, 600 kilograms in every one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, even when I cracked it and, and poured it and put it down, I could still smell the watermelon from, from, yeah, from a foot and a half right. away. It was just like, oh, yep, that's there. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And it's so... Yeah, amazing smell. Yeah, it's a light watermelon, and it's mm. clearly like a very juicy one both in the i have still in a sip but both in the taste and the mm-hmm. nose it's not it's it's that wetness of a watermelon you don't get when you get like a watermelon candy that yeah like, yeah because sure. it's just so jammed with artificial version of watermelon that you just yeah you're like exactly. i get you're doing this but i, I get it but hard, like hard pass <laughs> yeah but this is actually what it reminds me of is like when i was a child and you had the big watermelon Mm-hmm. And, and instead of getting like, like cut up, you just race. took it. You took the thing and you just kind of did the. I mean, you didn't say fuck it then, or maybe you did. But you just sort of like ate through the middle first, and you were kind of yeah, like yeah. nose deep in it. And, it and then yeah, as you pulled away, it was like that breath of just like watermelon infused air, like <laughs> and and just that and just like that the the like dripping off of. I feel like that's the depth of that even though it's airy it's this that's the moment it reminds me of is just this really solid juicy watermelon without eating a watermelon if that makes sense it's mm, that like yeah, moment sure. before or after 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, watermelon's a really, really tough one. Um, if you break watermelon down, it's basically a little bit of sugar and a lot of bit of water, mm-hmm. <laughs> as the name yep. would suggest. So it's actually a really difficult fruit to brew with. Um, so the yeah, the, the guys on the production, I don't have any hand anymore after the lime incident of making any of the beers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm quite happy to say these beers kick ass. You know, there's it's it's not my my sweat and blood and tears anymore that go into them. So yeah, I I, I like to take my hat off. I won't because I've got my lockdown haircut. But um, tip my cap, I should say, to to Ravi and the guys in production to put them together because uh, yeah, the fruit flavor in these is incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it when you were talking about childhood memories, Adil, like I'd say childhood, but probably also in adulthood when you just smell a really nice soap and you're just like, this smells so good, I'm gonna eat it eat as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. Oh no! I made a. You always eat. Like, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> but the taste of this, you're still getting that watermelon, which yes is, even just eating it, like it, it's it's very subtle flavor, as you say. It's more water than anything else, rather than sweetness. But you're still getting a bit of sweetness with this. You're, you're getting. I can't even imagine how hard it is to infuse that like kind of flavor with watermelon. <laughs> yeah. and all that fruit in it. Yeah, like, they're really difficult ones, blueberries. Yeah. Mm. Everybody loves a blueberry beer, but they are just water and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But you're still getting that, all those flavors, and yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, um, it's like not too sour, that not, not mouth-pockeringly sour. Yeah, brill. That's exactly it's where we want it. Great session beer, as you say. Like, mm. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> taps out. I also, I also like how it's like, the taste curve is like, a bit of sour and that watermelon flavor, and then the Tower fades. You actually get this light moment of maltiness. Yeah. Uh, with the just the because the, this watermelon is just so subtle, you can mm. you can notice the malt before the tart kicks in. Yeah. So it's it's really it's a really really nice. I mean, I'm a sucker for taste curves. I like the narrative of when when a beer sort of says, "I'm I've got this and that and this and yeah, has an order." Yeah. And um, God, I'm like awake, structure. aren't I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we'll get you a Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, and so it's it's it, I like that it starts a little tart, so you're getting that sour. But actually, the the core tartness is coming a bit later, and it's after yeah. this slight multi moment where, and because of that difference, you you again the watermelon is such a subtle flavor, and it's not over the top. You're getting this ah yes watermelon ah yes beer ah it's also a sour and kind of like Ben was describing it sits with you the tartness goes away just enough that you're like oh, i'm I fine i get i have a bit of this watermelon at like the top yeah. of my mouth i've got a bit of this touch of this maltiness but i've got that sour aftertaste my mouth is a little dry so why not requench but if i wanted to sit with that flavor i haven't lost it mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure i agree with that like that i'm not a massive fan of beers that are quite sweet but mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't oh, have I'm that sorry. cloying sweetness. No, no, it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that sweetness that sticks around for a long time. Yeah, that's uh, the acid yeah. and sweet together is like such a great combo because just yeah. like you're saying, that sweetness can be really cloying really quickly, and acidity as well can be a little bit puckering and <laughs> and uh, and quite difficult as well. But when you have them in balance, you have that nice sweetness, and yeah. then it basically just gets washed away by the sour. And mm. then afterwards, you want a little bit more sweet, and you want a little bit more sour. It's, yeah. um, I, I always describe drinking sour beers like eating tangfastic sour sweets. It's like, <laughs> it's an analogy I use all the time in tastings that there's a, a three sip rule for anyone in the audience that's not a big sour beer drinker. 
you've got to kind of try three sips before you can really decide whether you you don't like it and um, because the first sip is always a shock it yep. shocks your palate the second sip you condition your palate and you look past that acidity and the third sip you actually get what a fair representation of beer because your palate's adjusted and and my analogy is always like tang fastic sour sweets because you have the first one right and your face turns inside out you make the tang fastic advert face and then by the time you've got to your fifth sweetie you're just eating a bag of sugar you know and you're all of a sudden it's <laughs> gone and then you want more and um and it keeps you coming back for more and more so yeah, um, yeah yeah spot on i'm not sure about you they like no you said that leaves you a little dry and you may want to go back for that second sip but you know everything you just said there, Andrew, is like i'm just going back for more because I'm enjoying that, you know, that those two contrasting flavors just work together mm -hmm. perfectly, and it's just yeah, brilliant. I'll be done with this very soon. <laughs> Actually, I've almost finished mine as well. I mean, I've got, I've got a tiny bit. Yeah, but before I, we move on from the one on I just want to say, having mm. also consumed more of it, um, now that I'm getting used to that tartness, it's, I, I didn't have a sour earlier in the day. Um, mm. The watermelon is coming out a lot more, especially in the aftertaste. Now that yeah. my palate doesn't have that tartness, I'm like, oh. Mm got watermelon all around this is great yeah 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 so i just wanted to mention that before that uh, curve's really kicking back up again right yeah exactly mm -hmm. and, and and as and you were as you were kind of mentioning it earlier as well especially with um with this passion fruit one kind of within mm. about the first about the first third of the glass you really got hit with that tartness and with that that zip it was almost like uh like a refresher bar yeah. and then as as my kind of palate has a, a conditions acclimatized yeah, to that that the, just drops off that little bit and the mm -hmm. fruit is presented uh not more but just slightly differently it's yeah 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 for sure yeah there's um uh, another uh, i love analogies and tangents so please keep me on course but um one of my favorite analogies is um is, is about flavor and the, the human palate with flavor like i was saying your first taste of that tang fastic sour sweet or your first sip of sour beer is quite a shock then you go back for more if you were to like i did recently with my my two-year-old kid if you give them a lemon slice mm. they bite into it and they make a horrendous face right but every single kid will go back for a second bite yeah every single yeah. time and as a parent it's hilarious you're like oh, you're so stupid it's so sorry you want more of it but it's something that the, the human palate recognizes as a good thing whereas if you give a kid blue cheese or an olive or i don't know an anchovy something that's really umami or really bitter they're gonna take one taste and i mean my kids are weirdo and shovels down olives like there's no tomorrow but they don't like that bitter flavor because the human palate is conditioned to think bitterness is bad and that's why it takes people a long time to get on that journey, right? Mm -hmm. Because beer is bitter and hops are bitter. And especially about 10 years ago, there's a huge craze of getting more and more and more and more bitter. And, and the idea of the lupulin threshold shift, which is the wankiest way to say palate adjustment ever. <laughs> the, the, wait, 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 hold on. Could you say that again? So it's the, the lupulin threshold shift. It's basically your palate adjusting to bitterness. Right. So when you, um, yeah, when you first drink IPAs, you do have that chasing the dragon moment, right? Where you drink a couple IPAs and then you want it more bitter, and you want it more bitter, and you want your double IPA, and you want your triple IPA, and you want it to be like pull your tongue off with a rusty pliers kind of level of bitterness. And that's sort of what you do with sour beer as well. People chase that in in sour, want it more and more sour. 
and I think extremes in any any circumstance they're a bad thing arguably <laughs> um but I've totally lost what I was talking about and it was <laughs> about bitterness so bitterness is something we have to literally train our palates to get used to to enjoy and that's why you start to enjoy negronis and and blue cheese and whatever else when you're a bit older because your your palate gets used to bitter flavors you adapt to it and, and you start to enjoy the nuances of those flavors but acidity is something that's built into us from very, very young. That's why mm. sour sweets are such a big thing with kids. Mm. Like sour is a nice flavor. It's just that it's quite shocking. And especially in the context of beer. And if you have a, a bar or a bottle shop and um, maybe it's not presented to you in the right way, like you get a, one of these sour beers in a pint glass. I think someone picking up a pint glass and taking a swig of yellow beer is going to expect it to taste like a pint of beer, which it is not. You know, it, it doesn't taste like that. It tastes very different. And that can be very off-putting. So it's it's kind of about context and it's a, a little mm. bit about prefacing it and approaching it the right way. Excellent. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I think that was a good tension. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's uh, drink these beers. We'll finish them off. And before we jump into um, beer number twos for each of us, uh, Andy, yeah. give us, uh, you kind of already sort of chatted about, um, you know, Vault City and, and, Kind of sour beers as such, but yeah, Vault City is kind of quite a new brewery. You've only been around like a few years, right? That's right. Yeah. So Vault City, Vault City Brewing, I should give it its full title, um, is uh, three years old this year. So it started off as as two guys, Steve and Johnny, who came together over a mutual love of homebrewing, and one was brewing mixed fermentation sour beer kind of old school traditional style and the the other was brewing cloudy New England beers mm. and between these two kind of styles coming head to head with the the two home brewers in the middle we've accidentally created this kind of new style that I've mentioned before of modern sour beer so we're using the mixed fermentation and the and the souring process and the house mix culture from sour beer brewing but then taking the kind of opacity the bold flavors, the juiciness and the fruitiness of New England's. And all of a sudden you've got this very, very unique style of sour beer. And um, when Steve and Johnny first got going, I was working for Wild Beer. Mm. Was it Wild Beer? 2018. <laughs> it, might, it might have been uh, Brewdog Overworks. I'm, honestly, time is just not a thing anymore. No, so I worked, yeah. for, I worked for the Wild Beer Co. down in Somerset. I lived in Bristol, mm -hmm. represent. Oy. And um, <laughs> then I moved up to Aberdeenshire, which is nine-tenths the way home for me, to work at the BrewDog Overwork Sour Program. So I was uh, the first employee in the door. Literally, my first week was hauling on a chain hoist and standing up the fermentation tanks in a big empty room, which then became the mecca that was Overwork. Sadly, no more. I'll pour mm. one out for the barrels in a moment. But um, yeah, I was working for these breweries, which were very barrel-focused with Britannomyces and going mixed fermentation in a much more traditional route. Um, and beautiful beers, very different, again, beers. There's a whole education piece with sour beer that's really quite unexplored and untapped, where you've got these three different breweries making sour beer, and they're all incredibly different processes, yeah. different methods, and different flavor profiles that come from the different different breweries. Um, and yet, on the shelf, or online, or wherever, it's all just sour beer. Mm. So that's like a bit of a, a bugbear of mine for having the education piece going for so long. But that's my, uh, my my cross to die on, or my hill to die on, I should say. <laughs> and um, yeah, so these guys started out brewing these kind of super fruited, really quite sweet sour beer. And at the time, I properly scoffed at them. I was like, "This is ridiculous. This is outrageous. <laughs> this isn't sour beer." <laughs> rah, 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 rah. And off I was on my high horse, you know, galloping into the sunset. 
Um, but then I actually tried some of them at beer festivals. So I bumped into Steve and Johnny, I think at Bristol Craft Beer Festival. And uh, I tried the Strawberry Skies, which is one of the one of the beers we're most known for. It's the only beer that we've brewed more than one. Uh, sorry, more than twice. Okay. <laughs> so we're pretty pretty hot on the the not rebrewing stuff. But Strawberry Skies has come around a few times and will forevermore. And the Mango Habanero that they had out at the time as well, and they just blew my mind. I was like, this is so much flavor. It's so um, that the kind of integrity of the fruit flavor is insane. And, and the way that they're pushing the sour beer is really, really, really exciting. And um, so once I actually sat down and tasted it in a glass, I was totally sold on the idea of this direction of, of sour beer. Um, I thought it was bloody brilliant. So through that year, uh, so that was 2018 that they got started, started homebrewing in Steve's kitchen. And then through 2019, they were brewing in the kitchen and took the beer to as many beer festivals as possible. So that's where I, I kind of met them and, and had a go on the beer and was totally converted into this, this modern sour beer trajectory um they were all over the uk and all over europe as well getting loads of rave reviews became the the number one rated brewery on untapped in scotland which is wicked we're still nice. there at the moment nice. um, and we're kind of climbing up through the the uk rank on that as well then at the end of 2019 uh, they got the kind of big break so it was definitely a, a side project pipe dream type scenario fermenting in the basement brewing on the kitchen stove 400 liters at a time mm. then at the end of 2019 um, they got the kind of the the leap of faith moment to go and actually set up in another brewery called Seventy One Brewing in Dundee. So for Scottish geography context, about two hour drive north of Edinburgh. So off they went to to Dundee, bought two fermenters, and were able to use the brew kit at Seventy One, but have our own fermenters and our own packaging space and our own little spot. It's mixed culture, so they didn't want this yeast anywhere near their fermentation, which is super valid um, but it did mean rolling out 75 meters of one inch hose every time we brewed and a really really slow casting for for catching <laughs> brews which was a bit of a pain in the butt but it, it was an amazing stepping stone and, and a, an amazing leg up basically so we went from 400 liter batches on the stove to 4,000 liter batches mm. at, at which is yeah a, a rather large economy of scale going on at that point and being able to put out a lot more beer which is ace so that was the tail end of 2019. <clears throat> Start of 2020 was looking really good. All the, like for everybody, uh, all the beer festivals were lined up. Loads of export was coming on board. Um, and Johnny and Steve were still at that point working other jobs. So this was still a, a side okay. project at, at that spot. Um, but Steve had given up his job. Johnny was going full time as well. And... Um, yeah, making the making the commitment and taking the plunge basically, and that's when they hired me as the first um, first employee in as as marketing manager. I came in in February, and then I think March two weeks later is when lockdown hit and mm. everything kind of hit the fan <laughs> spectacularly. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of the the pre me backstory. That's the bit that um, that I don't know as much about as I would like to, um, but that's the the gist of it. These two guys came together with homebrewing. They went from literally homebrewing to commercial brewing overnight, um, and and saw great success while they were while they were doing it, and had this kind of jump up to to Dundee. But my throat's getting a little bit sore, so let's crack another beer. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, uh, what have I got next? I'm going in um, percentage order, so I am going to open That's next the Mango Inferno. Oh, oh, you're in for a treat. Well, Rick, I should, I should actually, rather than going for um, alcohol oh. percentage, Andy, 
I've got the I've got Mango Inferno, and the other one I've got is Pies in the Skies. If I oh, have well, the Mango Inferno, I, am I going to destroy the flavor <laughs> for the second for the third beer? No, Pies in the Skies is huge. It's okay. absolutely huge. So I think it'd be fine. It, now, Mango Inferno is a, a biggie, though. It's a biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have the Mango Inferno, and spoiler alert, going for the blueberry lemon drizzle sour. Oh, nice. Sip, sip, sip. So is that a fine... Again, oh, yeah. I, I think you'll that's be, what I, I figured. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to, uh, yeah, as I mean, put it, guys, burn away. You'll be, <laughs> you guys will be tasting chilies all night. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Right, I'm gonna crack these. I had chilies in my curry earlier. Mm, the chili <laughs> oh, day. Missed opportunity. Mm. Nah, it's okay because I might have another bottle and I might be cooking for my house tomorrow. And I always <laughs> met, even when it's like eh, some people don't like spice that much, I still manage to put chilies in my everything. <laughs> uh, Lucy, what are you uh, cracking into now? I don't know. Whatever you guys want. I've got four beers here. <laughs> nice, we're ready to go. I have the apple cranberry vanilla sour. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay, and that's why I've just opened as well, actually. Oh, yeah. Why don't, why don't we do two mangoes, two, two apples two. then? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, I should open mine instead of staring at the screen. Oh, it looks like it ridiculous. The This beer is pouring like juice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I'll, I'll try and for those of those who want. Oh, that's nuts. Oh wow! Uh, good left hand and giant oh, glass. Mm. Is that orange juice? No, it's, it's, it's like a I didn't see him pour it into the glass. It, just it, got oh, some OJ. <laughs> I mean, that's what I do at beer festivals. Is just stick some orange juice in my glass, and nobody's the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> just fresh all day. Yeah. <laughs> wow! It literally looks like. Look at like that. juice, but with a head, because my on-screen pour was real bad. Um, I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> thanks. It's one of those things where, like, I can pour a beer, but then I'm like, oh, right. Now we're doing no one pours a beer at eye level. No. Mm. It's, a, it's a special kind of human that's able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adol, why don't you give us the flavor text on the back of the oh, thanks, Mango yeah. Inferno? Oh, yeah. So oh, it's a 7.2% uh, modern sour beer. Uh, where are we here? Returning from the past for another turn in the sun. One of the beers which cemented Vault City Brewing and modern sour beer in the UK craft beer scene, creating a unique and outrageous drinking experience is at the heart of our beers. These chili pepper and exotic fruit sour beers are in a class of their own. Rich and juicy Alfonso mangoes work wonders with our house mixed culture and the fruity and floral habanero chilies create a fantastic lemon-like counterpoint and a decisive chili kick. Man, I'm definitely going to contract you out for voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Huh. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, God, Ooh, I just Lucy. Lucy, give us the flavor text for the apple. I can indeed. It says, we've taken another trip to the bakery for flavor inspiration on this serious sour. Finding balance between sweet and sour in our beers and uh, sorry <laughs> it's something we strive for so we can uh, find the perfect balance in an apple and cranberry cream tart we knew you, we were onto a winning combination uh, tart cranberries match the acidity of our mixed culture fermentation a fresh crunch of apples keeps the flavours light and sweet vanilla round uh, at, light and sweet and vanilla 
sweet vanilla rather rounds out the finish i haven't had too many trust me uh, all layers <laughs> on a delicate base oh, is that perfect I didn't, this is perfect uh, for the end <laughs> i obviously didn't write that one very well it wasn't so easy to say no no no, no. it's, it's... <laughs> I like it. It's like poetry. We keep saying oh, we keep saying the apple, but it's an apple, cranberry, and vanilla. Apple, cranberry, vanilla, sour. Yeah. yeah yes. This is actually one of my, my favorites we've just... done for a while. Nice. Some... Yeah, big, tart, juicy cranberries. <laughs> it's a, it's a, almost like biting into a fresh apple, fresh green apple. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm yeah, excited it, to try that. I'm about to say it smells. It smells like a. It's like, almost like a Granny Smith apple on the on the yeah. flavour. It's very subtle. It's not as um, you know, just you can smell the watermelon no, from as... Yeah, exactly. this is not quite subtle, pungent as watermelon. Mm -hmm. This is just, but get your nose in there. It just smells really good. Yeah, it's a yeah. And what do you guys think of that um, mango inferno? I oh. saw you both react, but you're both very uh, very good at keeping stim. <laughs> mm. First off, first off, just the nose is is frankly it's. It's like pure mango juice. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's like if you had one of those uh, like a, a concentrated mango juice things you get um, like oh like the brand juice shop. Yeah, but like the, in in the like giant juice boxes. Okay. I don't know if this would make sense. You can see it in um, ethnic stores. So where you, you you'd get it in the ethnic aisle at the superstore. I realize <laughs> I'm Canadian. This means nothing to you guys, but I'm it's it's, it's what I've got. Um, but they're like they're like it's all fresh juice. It's just a little more concentrated, and right, so okay. you can or can't add water. It's not quite squash, but it's all fresh. Yeah. Um, okay. But you, but I'm. It, it, it smells like it's at like the, a third of the way down, and you put your nose in, and you can smell that super strong concentrated thing. But it's a little mm -hmm. dialed back, so it's like my nose in touch, like near the beer, is getting me yeah. slight like an inch or two away from that like really mango-y yeah, okay, gotcha. thing gotcha. so it's like it's that intensity but a like i'm a little pulled back a little um, it's great it's, it smells like mango i can't smell any of the i got a little bit when, when i stuck my nose in a little bit more i got a little bit of just the slightest hint yeah on the on the but nose and but, but you've got to be happening. looking for it i think yeah. to just okay. to just pick it up for for me, this beer absolutely honks of habaneros. Really? <laughs> yeah. We, even in the, we in did the... a, yeah, for sure. We did a pineapple and um, and chili beer at the tail end of last year, and we used Amarillo chilies and habanero and another one, which I think might have been chipotle, and it smelled like a, like a spice rack, you know? It mm. was, like, earthy and rich and, and aromatic, and it was intense, and it was great, and it was it was wonderful. But with this one, it's purely habaneros, and habaneros to me are always like lime, so it's yeah. got that kind of mango and lime. Yep. So there's that mm. little little prickle in your nose, mm. and that limey edge to the mango. That for me is just like honking of habaneros. Yeah, right. And yeah, I definitely wasn't well. getting the heat. No, the there's not. But I do see what you mean by that liminess. Yeah, yeah. There's um, it's a a, a different kind of. It hits different. Yeah. <laughs> and you, but, you you absolutely yeah, get that yeah. lime on the flavor. Yeah as well mm. like it, mm -hmm. it's it, uh, coming in with that heat and that lovely lovely burn right at the back of the mouth yeah you yeah, get it, that lime alongside that big well. it is instant yes it doesn't build up to it it's just like bam bam here is. is that flavor and it, and, and it stays yeah 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 and it's not as dry as the um 
session sour either. Mm-hmm. So it, it's still dry, but it's not quite as dry as that. So it, again, it feels yeah, like it lasts it. just that little bit longer as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. getting a slight sort of, you know, tingle on the back of the throat, a little bit on the lips now on as well. Sides of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I really like it. it. So it also like leaves your mouth wet. Like I've just... Mm. I think maybe the the spice is helping because I feel more salivatory, if that was a word, um, than than on the previous beer, which means I can kind of just let that mango-ness sort of, it fades, but that liminess and that heat stay, Mm. but then they all, they sort of like temper off and just stick at that level for, you know, better part of a minute now since my last sip. And it's really good because you can just appreciate that balance, that the finish is both of them because... When it starts, it's this like, hey, there's heat. Then there's this like little bit of a juice packet, not a juice bomb, just a juice packet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then and then you get then I think the rest of your taste buds, especially in that first hit uh, taste, um, just get hit with all that spice. That and you're like, oh, weird. that is that, yeah. spi- that spice. And, and then it all sort of blends it. together and falls away. Now that I've had a couple sips, you're getting the same thing without the ooh. Of yeah. the, oh, right. Those are chilies. Now the chilies yeah. just never left, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I'd be really interested to try that uh, pineapple and chilies one though, because mm-hmm. as I was saying, like pineapple is just such a subtle flavor and so hard to get across in beer. I just, but I have faith that you would have balanced it so hard. <laughs> I, I'm really interested in that one. But um, yeah, I I don't even think I have any in my personal stack to be able to <laughs> like and give to you. I'm afraid. Brew again. Uh, get the recipe out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the 400 liter pot out. We'll bring it in. <laughs> Small batch. You have to yeah. scale down again to something. You know, to got four <laughs> lines. Like yeah. Perfect. Perfect. What do you think of the, uh, the apple and cranberry? That I, I haven't even tasted it because it's not hyperbole. Hyperbole, and just because you're on the show. <laughs> These are the nicest smelling beers that I've had because usually it's like smell of beer it has a you know especially when they're packing all these citra hops in it, it's like yes this smells delightful let me let me see where that goes whereas this i'm just so happy just smelling it because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i'm just, just like light a candle in the top yeah of it. yeah but it, it, and also with the last one i haven't tasted this one yet but it, it doesn't it doesn't fail to get across those flavors so it's not like just a little tease and like you're not getting that but no it, it's a pretty um full frontal aroma mm. for sure oh i love that color it's a pretty one it's, it's, it's it, it, i mean i also it's just love where beer is at because like i i mean i i grew up in canada where microbrewing was a thing but it was sure. there wasn't as much experience experimentation as craft brewing so okay. like um there was some but it, i mean Generally, like not the styles. not the past like 10, 15 years of, of craft brew all over around the world, and yeah. just like I'm thinking, like you know, when I started university back in two thousand and one, if you presented that to me um, back in whatever that year was, uh, that pinkness, and like I would have been like, what is this? And like, oh yeah, it's a beer. You're like, that's not what beer yeah, looks like. Like, and just to know that, like that, it's just. It, and it's totally reasonable. And also, like, craft beers just got to a point where we have these totally non-standard aesthetically looking, like, like visual aesthetic looking beers that yeah. are just, it's, we've been around long enough that you don't see very many, like, marbled pink 
beers. Yeah. But um, you aren't surprised by it. No. Yeah. Absolutely. I think about the only color that surprised me these days is green. Yes. And um, occasionally I get a little bit shocked by green beer, but I'm also a little like perturbed. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I see a green beer and I'm like, I'm, I appreciate what you're doing over there, but I don't think I want any part of it. <laughs> I, I, I think green beer is another color I saw growing up because um, people would put food coloring in cheap lager on St. Patrick's uh, Day because North America oh, does yes. this weird thing. Yes. Yeah, where everybody becomes Irish for 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think humans have evolved to try and stay away from green liquids. Um, <laughs> so yeah, can completely. Say, I don't think I've ever had a green beer. That's definitely one I've not. That that mojito one we had wasn't green up in no. in Birmingham. No, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't green. So no, I don't think I have. This is the sort of thing that'll turn you into teenage a... almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have had a Phantom Saison that was green. Um, I think it was Matcha, Matcha Saison. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that would do it. It was, it was pretty medium. It was mm. fine. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what's not medium. Yeah. Uh, oh, if you tasted it Yeah, and getting more apple in it, to be honest, like that acidity mm. from the apple. Yeah. But, but uh, I just looked on the back, it's like, it's got oats in it and it, it just gives you that nice creamy fullness mm. as well and it's yeah this will probably be a running theme but the balance between the sweet and the sour is really again it's just it's just so good yeah um, that's exactly what we're shooting for is that yeah. fuller mouthfeel a little bit of silkiness from the oats a bit of pillowiness and um, some sweetness staying in the beer as well from the malt but then the tartness of our mixed culture being able to match nicely to the, the acidity that you expect from the fruit. So like biting into a Granny Smith apple and like biting into a cranberry, that's the level of acidity we want. We don't want it to be this crazy sour with fruit yeah. flavor. And we don't want it to be all this fruit flavor with none of the acidity that you expect in the fruit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what I think is, is the lovely balance. If you were to go and pick a raspberry off a raspberry bush, <laughs> I think, not a raspberry tree, and um, and by into it, it would be sweet and tart, and that's yeah. the that's what you that's what you'd expect from that flavor. And so with a raspberry sour, that's what we want is for the to be that initial tartness, but also that sweetness coming through, yeah. which is hard to do with beer because obviously the the fermentation just takes all the sugar out and and yeah. literally pulls out all the sugars and and you're left with the acidity, the booze, and and the the flavor. Um, yeah. So leaving that little bit of residual sweetness from the from the malt is is huge for us. Well. I don't know if you've ever been to Attic in Birmingham, mm. but like, they're like more fruit forward, sour beers. Cool. That it reminds me of this because they, yes, they definitely have that creaminess, yeah, and that fullness from the oats, and but still having that you know fruitiness, a little bit of sourness, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's just really well balanced. And I don't know if cool. I'm, I'm just very bad at pouring, but it, it gives off a lovely. Like full, as you say, pillowy head as well to it. Yeah, like light pink head. It's just really good looking beer. Yeah, I I cracked this one earlier in the day mm -hmm. as well. It it again had a very very big pillowy head to it as well. So it's... I don't think it's just you, Lucy. <laughs> yeah, just... I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Let's nice. enjoy okay. these. Um, so, should we dive back into the vault? Yes, story? yes. Uh, dive back into that and um, kind of take us on where you've sort of been in the bit. 
uh, in the last sort of year over lockdown and stuff. But yeah. also then we've had this, like, I suppose, quite big news in yeah. some craft beer circles. <laughs> Not all craft let's, beer uh, circles. Let's build up that one. I might need to crack one of those silly sorrows before we dive into that. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm still it, trying to block out last Thursday from my conscious thoughts. In a, in a few... In a few uh, um, Maybe not so uh, inviting Facebook craft beer groups. There have been uh, yeah. a few more angry humans. But yeah, you've, you guys have launched a couple of beers into Tesco yeah, as well. That's right. So let's kind of, I suppose, build up to that point. Yeah, yeah. That was literally just, yes, well, not quite yesterday, but not far off it. So let's, mm. uh, let's go right up to that point. Um, so yeah, I think I, I finished off with me coming into the brewery mm-hmm. and, and starting up at, at Vault C in February last year. So at that point... We had two fermenters, two 4,000 litre fermenters and brewing on the 71 kit. So we were basically jumping into their brew schedule when they had space, um, hiring their kit, creating our work with our ingredients, bringing that across to be fermented by our house mix culture. And we were fruiting it and packaging it all ourselves. Now the packaging line at that, in fact, I'll get to the packaging line in a minute because that's kind of the next step. <laughs> um, but not long after I started, I think it was the week after I started, uh, we had two new tanks arrived. We doubled our fermentation capacity. So we went from two 4,000 up to four 4,000 litre tanks, which was huge news for us at the time. Um, and, well, it's huge news for any brewery to double their fermentation space. Um, but we had this big influx of space. We filled them up to the brim. We had four brand new beers ready and waiting to go. Um, and then lockdown hit, which was ace. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned I worked for a couple of breweries before, and there's always a fire to put out in a brewery. There's this kind of my, my running commentary of, of working in craft beer, is there's always a fire to put out. And this was just a particularly big one, and it happened mm. to be purple. But, you know, you just got to get on and fight the fire, make the best moves you can to, to adapt and overcome, and, and work out how you're going to pivot and what you're going to change and how you're going to move forward. Um, so, yeah, um, we quickly put together a web shop hastily put together a web shop on, on Squarespace and uh, started putting beer out to consumers straight to their door, which was which is brill. And the uptake on that was absolutely huge. So we had, we had overwhelming support for our web shop and people looking to get hold of the beers. Uh, we were basically just packaging out of the tanks as we needed it. Mm. So the, the tanks remained full. That's the safest place for the beers to just be in tank. It's completely stable. So we were just packaging as we needed per week. Um, which got a little bit silly because our packaging line, as I alluded to a minute ago, was uh, a gravity-fed manual filler. So if, if anyone's been to like a gas station, sorry, petrol station, I should say, uh, late at night, and you do the whole like the drawer thing with the slidey window, and mm-hmm. you kind of knock on the glass and ask for something, and then you <laughs> to get your like loaf of bread, and then like pass the money back through. <laughs> it was a bit like that. So you had open a door, put the bottle in, close the door, open the valve, close the valve, open the door, get the bottle out, and then go around to the next one. And it was hand capping each one individually, oh, and then a little labeler and turning the labeler on individually as well. So it was, it was a ball ache, to be perfectly honest. And um, yeah, I think me and Steve did a 24-hour top-to-tail shift where it was just packaging one beer for 24 hours, give or take. Oh. And uh, that was enough to satisfy the orders for about a week of that one beer. Yeah. So it was just like an absolute nightmare. But, you know, it's what you got to do to head down and get the work done and get yeah. with people so the the flip side of that was that we had um loads of kegs sitting around which obviously isn't great when all the bars are shut 
but we were aiming to take these kegs out to festivals throughout the year. So they were like a good backlog of our kind of our super hot shit that we held on to to take out to these festivals. Um, and with this really manual filler, what we could do is actually fill from key keg. Mm-hmm. So we hooked our kegs up and put them back into bottle. Well, we put them into bottle because there hadn't been a bottle in, but you know what I mean. Um, and then we're able to re-release historical beer. So we started up a, a hashtag Sour Sunday launch, and every Sunday we would re-release one older beer. So nice, we nice. basically started doing launches without having any new beer, and, and be able to get <laughs> people excited about the about the beers that are coming back out again because they hadn't got to try it before, or they did try it and they loved it, and um, and that was a, a huge thing for us. Up to the point where we we had this kind of big online following. Um, around about this time as well, Johnny, one of the co-founders, actually left the business to go and do his own thing. Um, so he's now started up a brewery called Holy Goat, based up in Dundee. So he stayed up in Dundee and done his own thing, mixed firm, sour beer, but going very much in that traditional direction mm-hmm. rather than the kind of modern sour beer direction. So creative differences, as I like to call it. Um, but the yeah, the um, web shop was really kind of growing arms and legs a little bit faster than I could blink. Um, and then we launched our fourth beer. So we had three beers that were launched that we were selling through, and we launched our fourth and fifth beers at one tank, which were um, double mash imperial stouts, and it went absolutely bananas. I think we had something like six hundred orders in on the one day and sold out the whole batch in in like one shot. Um, and then the web shop fell apart, or more accurately, <laughs> I fell apart. <laughs> but, but regardless, it fell apart. Um, and the only thing we could do was pull the plug, you know, Steve mm. made the absolute right call to just kill it, like turn this off, let's circle the wagons, get our shit together and start again with a better platform. Yeah. And um, so we migrated over to a different platform. Very luckily at that time, we got a new bottling line in, which was great. <laughs> so the new bottling line to, to illustrate how important it was, we were able to package in one hour, what we managed to pack in a full day between two of us. Jeez. So it was, um, yeah, definitely the way forward is get a packaging line, folks. That's a top tip. Just um, for evolution. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> it has its uses, you know. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of middle summer. Um, we then, myself and Steve, basically had a, a wild summer of, of COVID time going absolutely hell for leather and started to get production back up to, to full strength. So we were launching, I think our busiest two months, we launched eight beers and nine beers in like July and August. Um, wow. You know when you're a kid and you're running downhill and you just keep throwing your feet out in front of you and you hope that it's going to land and that you're not going to like eat shit and land on your face? That was kind of the, the emotions that we had running up towards the end of the August. <laughs> sort of the same thing happened again where we had to just pull the plug and go like, let's circle the wagons here, let's see what's going on because this is, this is unsustainable. Mm. Um, and rather than eat shit spectacularly, we wanted to eat shit gracefully. Mm. <laughs> and... Um, that's when we started building the team up. So the first guy in the door was um, a chap called Andy Wilkie, um, who came in as operations manager. So I don't think Steve will mind me saying that me and Steve are not the most organized of people. Um, and Andy Wilkie is possibly the most organized man I've ever met in my life. So he's the, <laughs> nice. the perfect guy to kind of take the rudder and make sure that the, the good ship Vault City is, is heading in the right direction. Um, and in between that time, we had a, a great kind of crew of temp staff through lockdown. So we managed to basically noise up a, a local bar called Dynamo in Dundee, which is owned by Six Degrees North, Scottish Brewery. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really, really cool guys. Um, and they had a bar in, in Dundee, which obviously was closed, and, and all the staff were on furlough. So we approached them, and, and the general manager, Joe, was basically like, yeah, all of us are keen to pitch in and help out and nice. come and help follow. So we had this temporary crew of this one bar <laughs> in Dundee 
who just saved our bacon throughout all of summer helping us helping us package and one of the guys from there actually came on full-time with us as well so he's mm. made the move from dundee down to edinburgh to, to help us nice. open a new site but i'm not quite there yet um so yeah that was leading up to the end of the year and the whole move to dundee was definitely a platform it was to to help vault city jump to that next level um which was a huge stepping stone for us and it always meant moving back to edinburgh um, I lived near Dundee, so it wasn't so much of an issue for me, but, but Andy and, and Steve were commuting up from Edinburgh every day, which is nearly a four-hour round trip, which is mm. not ideal. So moving the brewery back to Edinburgh was always kind of top priority. And towards the end of the year, the perfect opportunity popped up in a place called Portobello, which is kind of, the way I describe it, it's a bit like Brighton of Edinburgh. So it, it's like little Edinburgh on the seaside, beautiful sandy beaches, loads of indie restaurants, loads of like cafes, bars, cool spots to hang out, a real community vibe, but it's, it's been swallowed by Edinburgh over time. Mm, and it's right. a 15 minute bus ride rather than, you know, a 40 minute train. But that's my kind of my loose analogy. So this amazing spot opened up where we had an empty shoebox to build the brewery in and, um, and bought our own brew kit, had that delivered just before, uh, just before Christmas and commissioned it over the Christmas New Year period. Nice. So that's um, the kind of trajectory. We had one year at the at the stovetop in Steve's kitchen, and then we had one year in Dundee at 71, and mm-hmm. then moved on again to our third year in Edinburgh, back in Edinburgh to our own kind of custom-built facility and, and shiny new brew kit and that sort of thing. Mm. So we didn't go any kind of big jump in size. It's still, a, a roughly speaking, a 40-heck installation. Um, so it wasn't so much about jumping up the, the amount of volume that we could produce, but it's about doing it in our own time. There's being mm. beholden to someone else's schedule is yeah. never great. Never mind yeah. when you're trying to brew beer to a release schedule. Um, and then also with getting in a new tank, we didn't want to necessarily put out loads more beers. We actually found that when we were releasing four beers every two weeks in a kind of eight beers a month cycle, it was a bit too much beer going out the door. So we dialed that back to to three beers every two weeks, like I mentioned at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast. And that's the kind of rhythm that we've settled into and are really happy with and, and customers seem to be happy with as well, which is cool. Yeah. So lots of variety, but not overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, once you start getting past kind of double digits per month, it, it starts getting a bit overwhelming to keep up with as a, as a casual <laughs> consumer. Never mind us, you know, trying to get out to wholesale and export and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's also a thing that it's kind of, I commend you guys on because it's kind of hard to, um, it's kind of hard to acknowledge in the in our very capitalist world of grow, 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 that yeah, actually yeah. stay here. It's good. It's good for everyone around. Mm. Like this is fine. Versus <laughs> yeah. trying to pursue the well, we could push out more beers, um, mm. and also your customers, like you said. You know, if you have loyal customers who want to try everything you've got going, well, yeah. those are the people you're primarily making beer for you because they mm-hmm. continually buy your beer and it puts the roof over your head and pays for the ingredients for the next beers for sure that's that's the relationship not finding new people all the time such that you need mm-hmm. to like go 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 it's i think yeah, it's, it's very sure. easy trap to fall into and that's also why Definitely. some people outpace their fans right and so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's well it's good i mean to hear that you guys have, have hit that moment and drawn back as soon as you uh, overstep your supply lines, you're done for. <laughs> yeah, that's like strategy games 101. <laughs> so um, yeah, that is it's 
Vault Sea Brewing is very much about having fun. There's, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, we've worked our absolute butts off for the past year um, and we'll probably continue to do so for at least another year or two to get to the, the point we want to be at. But we're working towards a four-day working week. That's a, a big thing that we've always always kind of Great. pushed nice. for since the very beginning. Um, with such a small team and, and such pressure on us right now to get set up in a new brewery, it's just not possible, but we're, we're mm -hmm. getting there pretty quickly. Um, and being able to do stuff smarter rather than work harder, like we'll always invest in, in the best bits of kit to do the job and, and make that the, the common denominator is that we can do more with less and easier to right. without compromising quality, right? And without compromising flavor, that's the, the kind of number yeah. one goal. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Steve's always been very vocal about the fact that he wants it to be an enjoyable business to work for, an enjoyable business. I mean, it's his livelihood and, and it's his baby, so he wants it to be fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that really kind of rings true throughout everything that we do, from fun flavors to how we source stuff, how we come up with ideas, and um, and how we operate day to day. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good company. It's good yeah. fun. Good. Good spot. Question, were you always thinking of going on that trajectory of the like packaging line and ramping up prior to the pandemic or did that really just kickstart? No, that was that was all kind of coming anyway. Um, yeah. it, it was all in motion before the before lockdown kind of happened. Mm -hmm. And that was what made it a little bit more frightening and a little bit more um, frantic is because all of this yeah. investment and planning had gone into to doing it a certain way and that way was no longer possible. So yeah, it was all all underway, and, and the popularity of Vault City was definitely out outmatching the amount that they or that we could produce. So stepping up production was always um, the plan, and we're definitely going to step up a little bit more this year. We've got a few more tanks coming in, um, so we can do slightly bigger batches, but we'll probably still keep the same amount of variety and look to just put more of the same beers out. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting to hear because, like, yes, I think that is the the end goal whilst you know still keeping true to your vision and you know mm. creating good beer and catering to your audience who've you know been there from the start but mm. yeah like, especially in birmingham um i mean you guys down in bristol they're established breweries have been around for ages canning for ages yeah like, a lot of the breweries up you know up in birmingham they mm. started to can i you know i i don't know their business model or anything like that but it was sort of like fight or flight at that point mm. you know um yeah, like, yeah we, we need to do home deliveries we can't just rely on our you know local audience on the regular ways of doing it yeah yeah so I've got, yeah um sorry i should quickly caveat that with um sour beer i think always presents itself better in bottles there's um yeah. I, I mean cans and bottles for sour beer is a whole other argument um, but sour beer in general, I think it, it really benefits from being in a bottle. I love having sour beer on draft. It's great. But I do think there's there's definitely a benefit in having them in bottles. One, from a kind of consumer point of view, if I have a bottle, I'm like, I have to crack it open. You have to pour it in a glass. You're usually sharing it with someone. It becomes an occasion, a bit of a ritual. And it, it feels more engaging that way. Um, but also the... Uh, just the beer itself, I think, is, is in a better condition and, and is the mixed culture, which is live in the beer, you know, it's um, it's happier in a bottle than it is in a keg from, from my kind of personal experience, my anecdotal experience. So going heavier on the, the small pack bottles has definitely always been the been the plan. Sorry, I kind of more understand the question now. 
Um, also, <laughs> I was definitely rambling a bit there, sorry. So, um, yeah, also the being such a small brewery and being such a small uh, small company, there's it's much better for us to have space on shelves with our branding on there, where you can actually interact with the bottle, you can read the description mm. and understand what's what's going on in the bottle, rather than you know just a beer name on a mm. on a tap board that you get a, a third of on the off chance without any kind of uh, context at all. Right. So from that point of view and from a kind of brand building point of view, I think that. Um, the decision to be predominantly small pack was was set for us a long time before. Um, having said that, I've got a huge amount of respect for the people that did pivot and did do stuff last year to, to make it happen. Um, I saw a few, I, I can't remember, so I can't name drop and shame, not that I would, um, any of the, as the kind of bars and, and stuff like that that were doing it last year, but they would kind of tweet out, oh, the world's on fire and like my business is probably going under. And a big kind of woe is me, tiny violin moment. It's like mm. get in your fucking van and go and give people beer to their door. Like, what are you doing? You're just rolling over and letting circumstance dictate what happens to your business. Like, come on, you you're an active participant in this. Mm. Get up and be active about it. But yeah. that's my that's my number. We, we we saw a lot of that in Bristol. Uh, a lot of the uh, breweries, you know, like Left Handed Giant, they took everyone out sure. of their out of their bars, um, and got them on bikes yeah, to deliver beer sort of say, locally LHG, like chuck them all on bicycles chuck them all bikes, exactly. get, <laughs> get them, them working yeah um and, yeah. and various other sort of breweries like good chemistry and mm. new bristol brewery as well brought in canning lines to to, yeah. to put out because they were primarily yeah, sort of like keg beers keg, yeah. yeah exactly so they had to shift their thing and they're like right this is what we've got to do let's get it done and be able to put sort of beers back out and people got quiet for a month or two whilst they were waiting for their kind of canning line to kind of come in and yeah. then they were sort of straight back on it again so yeah. on, on one part it was like yeah maybe the government should be doing more but on the other side of it, it was like yeah a lot of people just opened up web stores and just in like mm. you know circumstance yeah, sure. and it's like sold out it's like crash yeah. the website we need to do yeah you know heartwarming to see and it's it you is. know i don't it's know cool. i mean like, liver cringing <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's just like I, I don't know many fortunately like none of my local breweries that were you know you know going before the pandemic mm. they seem to have thrived from it like yeah there's i mean that community that they've built mm. which is great yeah I, yeah i think I, it's I think a couple something... of things oh Go on, go on. Sure. Um, I think it's a couple of things. One is, well, people didn't stop wanting beer. No, absolutely, right. absolutely not. But but so it, it really is like you said, is getting the hustle mm. in to get the product to you, the customer who clearly wants it. But I think the other part is, when you're sitting at home uh, in the pandemic, actually, you know what, you do want to spend the extra couple of quid on a pack of craft beer versus. You know you, the Stella you're gonna bang back in a field with your friends or in, in yeah, a pub, sure. um, like when you're just on the lash because you're yeah. not on the lash and you, even if it's at home and you want a lot, you're just like, oh well, I want to trade. I, I'm losing something. Mm -hmm. I, I get away with less good beer when I'm out having fun in other ways. I'm definitely not in that situation, so at least get the beer yeah. good. And I know this from like friends who like like craft beer but like and you know when you're at the pub yeah, they're like they'll, they'll yeah my it. first one is going to be this much like it's going to be a really nice one and then we go whatever the cheapest thing is it's yeah. like well actually i'm just kind of drinking good beer now yeah 
No, for sure. I think there's, um, I've not thought about it until you kind of raised that point, but there's, there's almost definitely an element of the kind of elitism and, and exclusivity and, and mm. kind of barriers up in craft beer generally. Like you go to a craft beer bar and it's full of assholes being assholes about craft beer. <laughs> I think we can probably all raise our hands <laughs> to, being, oh, yeah. to being that person every now and again, right? Um, so if you're sitting at home and looking at stuff online, you go, I fancy giving that a go. And nobody's going to judge you if you don't like it. Or nobody's going to judge sure. you if you do like it. Um, you can you can sit in a comfortable home, drink some delicious beers made by cool people and, and have a nice time, but then not have to worry about the whole turning up at a craft beer bar and not knowing what any of the beers mean because they're on the board. And mm. you know, you, you've got pals that are craft beer drinkers. And so you're out of your depth. You either have to rely on them so you don't actually engage with it, really. You just are there for the ride. Um, or you're put off because they because they know more than you, or you feel silly, or or whatever. So um, I think that's actually quite an interesting, interesting kind of discussion to have is how much is that affecting people's buying choices? So so you're telling me all my friends are going to be as intolerable as me when I go back out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't I can't say that. <laughs> um, it's a good it's a good little uh, pivot to shift on um talking about accessibility and talking yeah. now i suppose about accessibility within the within the marketplace um because yeah you guys uh -huh. have, have put some you remembered the thing yeah, yeah that you've was put cool. some it was a good segue that i've ruined by putting a hat on the segue why thank you sir <laughs> um yes you put some beers into tesco and uh as i understand it and having read the uh, the blog post that you've put out these are Unlike what a lot of other kind of breweries have previously done, where mm. you've got, hey, here's our beer in an independent bottle shop, and now here is our beer now in Tesco's accessible in both places at completely different prices. You guys have gone, here's some beers you won't get anywhere else going into Tesco, so we don't destroy what we yeah. already have, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That was the move. Um, so, yeah, we. we just launched um, Two Beers in Tesco's, which is kind of the, the end of the Vault City story, as it were. Uh, that sounds really final and finished. Yeah, I think you mean... <laughs> the end of just my back story. Yeah, yes. we're catching up to date. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Don't soundbite that, okay? <laughs> That's an awful soundbite to have in there. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, we're actually a hit podcast. It was going to get released. It's just like a chopped up version of your story. Yeah. Ending <laughs> with you saying, ending and we're done that. after Tesco's. That's it. <laughs> It's the end, the end of the road. Um, so Good yeah, the, into great festival with great beer actually. Then um, yeah, so this year we've got the team up to full strength. We've had Ravi Boss come in as our brewer, who uh, I worked with at Overworks as well, and we've got Joe Cruikshank, who's a bit of a local hero, um, who's come in as sales and marketing, and we're just about to hire a, a seventh person as well to, mm. to help out in production. Um, so we've grown the team from two to seven which is pretty intense. We've increased our, our tank capacity uh, by, I've tried to work out the master there. I think it's 200%. Okay. We had, we had, we had eight, then we got 16 and now we're up at 24. So whatever from eight to 24 is, I think that's 200, right? Uh, eight to 16 is a hundred percent. So 68, yeah, 200%. Right, that, I mean, it's pretty quick Eight times math, three, but... yes, it's eight times three. Eight times three. 100% plus two more, 100% would be th right. three times as much. Three times as much as an increase of 200%. I'm too many, I'm too many beers in to do maths. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm the words guy. I don't do numbers. You've increased your capacity threefold. 
yeah, yeah, that's better. That's better. That's words. I can I can deal with words. So I'm um, big increase in fermentation capacity. Uh, we've got our own brew kit. We've got our own site. Um, like our office now is about the same size as our entire production space back up in Dundee. Um, mm. So wow. that's nice to have a desk that doesn't have glycol lines running past my knees <laughs> keeping me cold. Um, that seems kind of charming. Uh, charming is a good word for it. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of us up until this month. And then the big news was that we launched two beers in Tesco. So right. this is the, the kind of the big next step for us and, and a, a, a huge... Um, a huge kind of step for the business and i would like to say for sour beer at large as well um because it's a pretty big move putting sour beer into a supermarket that's mm -hmm. that's pretty out there especially these modern sour beers that are doing it in a very kind of different and bold direction and, and quite an accessible direction which i think is a really exciting thing for beer in supermarkets this is this is happening um but yeah so we like you said, very much separated the beers that are going into Tesco from the beers that we're already doing and will continue to do into the indie trade. Um, we've obviously had a, a huge amount of support from the indie trade and from customers direct and from wholesalers and, and exporters all over the shop to, to get us to where we are with putting out these ridiculous beers, which are pretty expensive, you know. Um, and mm. so to put out a, a beer that's priced at a supermarket level and is very much a vault city beer you know we brewed it all it's to our spec it's exactly how we'd like to make beer but the economies of scale let us bring that price down um it's something that uh, the blog post goes into in quite a lot of detail steve was was proper heart on his sleeve moment um writing that that blog post for for a couple of weeks actually to to kind of articulate himself in the way that he wanted to which was just brutal honesty that brewing is a business and we need to have the business operate to be able to feed mouths and to be able to make more beer and like you were saying earlier i know the the buying more ingredients and being able to invest in more kit and more people to be able to do those things you need to have revenue and that's just the end of the day um and tesco actually approached us at the beginning of last year before lockdown and we were kind of like oh we're not really at a size that we can cope with that yet we need to delay it and then lockdown happened like oh god maybe we should try and bring it forward but that wasn't the right decision either so we, we stuck it back to the date that we went with this week and um yeah it's, it's a, a huge piece for us but that big fight that we envisaged was kickback from all of our loyal customers so far saying hey you're in tesco screw you you're out and, and that being the end of the conversation, that's not mm. what we want at all, obviously. Mm -hmm. So yeah. taking those beers and putting them in Tesco exclusively, and um, actually Tesco came up in price quite a lot for us. So they wanted to, to have a, a cheaper beer, and we were like, no, this is what we can do. Like we worked with Tesco for how we could work with our suppliers. We went to our fruit supplier, for example, and said, hey, we need like 7,000 tons of raspberries this year can you get us a better price on raspberries for that amount of quantity? It's like, yeah, let me go and check with the farmers, see what the crack is. Yes, we can give you X price. Okay, cool. That relates back into our into our beer price. We can then give that back to Tesco. Um, we had a huge discussion. I mean, over a year of discussions to make it work for, for us, but also for them. Um, and yeah, I've kind of lost where I'm going with this a little bit. Beer is definitely hitting home. But um, <laughs> having those... you were just you were just telling us about how you had done all these negotiations to get the price difference, and you wanted to communicate that to your um, your your, your indie yes, fans. So that, you know, that that heart on the sleeve blog post from Steve was very much about laying it all out on the table. Like here is how it is, um, and a lot of a lot of breweries 
put up this this great chat about being super gritty and or being super glitzy on the other end as well and um on putting this kind of big front on it from a marketing side of side of things which are you know hands up i'm the marketing manager i take nice pictures of funky beers <laughs> and uh, shout about all of the all of the nuanced flavor um but at the end of the day a, a brewery is a business and we all want to have a nice time doing it and go to a four-day working week and all that kind of stuff yeah. so those things need supported with with bigger customers mm. um yeah so it's a tremendously good thing for vault city um it's it's a tremendously good thing i think for for sour beer the the kind of argument from my point of view is that the people that buy in supermarkets are not the kind of people that buy in specialty beer shops and obviously there's a huge crossover there i don't want to pigeonhole anyone into any category but broadly speaking and the people who buy in independent bottle shops and support independent bottle shops aren't going to be buying beer in supermarkets so i find it a little bit a little bit interesting let me say that bottle shops will push back saying that people will stop buying in indie shops to buy in supermarkets and also the other way around that bringing people in through the supermarket into the indie bottle shop although i think that's a lot more um what's the word plausible I think if you try a beer in the supermarket and you like it and you buy it again and you like it and you buy the other one in the supermarket and you like it, you're probably going to go look for more of it. And maybe you'll get put off by the higher price point from the bigger bottles. Maybe you'll get put off by the crappier scene in general. Whatever, you might not get there. But people who are looking in that way and are curious now, we will probably make the jump to go and, go and give it a go. Whereas I think people that are crappier drinkers in bottle shops will try the beer in Tesco because of the novelty of it being in Tesco and see if it's any good. And if they like it, they might buy it with a weekly shop. And if they don't like it, they'll continue supporting their independent bottle shops. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And there's, there's more of a, a shift. Of a moot point. There's, there's more of a shift from, say, casual drinker who tries things and then goes to kind of their bottle shop than there is the other way. Uh, I think those numbers would kind of stack up to show that people would move more into going to support yeah. indies than it would coming the other way but also uh, and we uh, the, the three of us are, uh, are are guilty of this but we rarely buy the same beer twice yeah uh, we are always looking for new I mean, beers new styles different styles from new breweries and and, and just constantly changing up and there are a few staples that we might pick up and yes occasionally yeah. on the odd uh, trip to supermarket or something you think oh it's a really nice weekend i'll just grab a four pack of this yeah and that's kind of it but it's not part of yeah and it doesn't but it doesn't replace what we would buy kind of elsewhere really Uh, i would i would say that that's a big proportion of craft beer drinkers Mm -hmm. as well oh i disagree okay lucy had her i was just saying we've been we've been recording since like beaver town started ah. selling to the high street stores like uh, magic rock um mm. cloud water now as well like we've yeah. all, all been on the point where it's like out of convenience we will get like you know uh something from northern monk out of ah. you know, from Tesco because you know there's nothing yeah. else that way and, and i would yeah. i would pose the question just before you mm-hmm. jump in adult that mm-hmm. um how many of you've actively bought less from craft beer bottle shops for the convenience of picking up craft beer in a supermarket well that's the thing yeah we're right. still always going to go to the you know if, my favorite, if Dea for example like one yeah. of my favourite breweries and we've started selling Tesco some of the quality is going to go down I'm still going to buy from them I'm still yeah. going to buy from you know 
even if they have the core line that's going to Tesco, Sainsbury's, mm. Morrison's, wherever, if they're still brewing good beer where they are, yeah. which I think is more will be more obvious for the people who were there from day one and having those fresh beers that they can yeah. maybe buy from the bottle shop on draft. Yeah. I think that's a, a big one. I, I think there's a, a huge argument to be made as well with hoppy beers going to supermarkets being quite a difficult thing, yeah. um, especially with the lack of, of refrigeration and with short shelf lives and, and certainly shorter best befores rather than actual end use by. Um, but that's something that, again, we don't particularly have to worry about with our beers. Mm. Oh, right. Sculpture. I hadn't thought about that, yeah. Yeah, so the live mix culture and the acidity actually preserves them really well. So we have a two-year bottle date. Uh, sorry, two-year wow. best before on our bottles. Um, and we're oh, wow. pretty confident in that. Yeah, it's it's the the quality of the beer is not going to diminish. It might change a little bit. You might get a little bit of evolution, a little bit of re-fermentation, a little bit of flavor development from the the mix culture. But they're they're going to be perfectly delicious in two years' time, as they will be in two weeks. We definitely think you should drink them fresh. Generally, fruit flavor does evolve and diminish. But then you get some more interesting fermentation flavors. So, mm. you know, it's a swing and a roundabout. Um, but we also don't brew with hops. So we don't brew with hops in any of our beers, apart from the ones that we state hops all over. But for the most part, there's there's no hops in the kettles. There's no bittering hops. And, and there's nothing to get skunked. There's nothing to oxidize. Mm, um, right. And the, the, the mixed culture is oxygen scavenging, in fact. So if there oh, any oxygen does get in, then the, the mixed culture will munch that up again. So um, it's a... It's a total moot point for us on the kind of cold chain, like these are shelf stable beers. Mm. But I totally appreciate that the conversation is not just about our beer, the conversation is about yes. craft. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a different conversation. And I, so I, I think I was good. Yeah, gonna, I'm sorry, I don't yeah you were going to disagree. Apologies. We, uh, no, I was going to disagree just with the with sake, uh, with the point that we're not normal people. Yeah, we're not well, normal craft beer drinkers no no but like there's a i know people who drink craft beer but also are in this middle ground of i found the ones i like yeah i like the quality i yeah. don't need to keep searching and i and like i don't know the numbers or the statistics but i think these conversations are so polarized that we also forget that there's a difference between um always searching for a new one and even us because the podcast is a reason why like i don't ever settle for a thing and i just got used to being like what's a new thing because i'll buy i'll buy several new beers in in a week and i'll two of them will be reserved for the podcast yeah. but also because i don't know which ones i'm probably going to get several new ones yeah. but if i didn't have the podcast i might get some old staples right like mm -hmm. yeah um sure. so i think we're, we're a bad measure that way but i do think it, like we're forgetting the people who find the thing they like or a mm. brewer they like and mm. they just stick with that. And if the brewer comes up with new things, like I got a friend who just loves Wiper and True, and hey, they too. they've got, I mean, you know, for good reasons. I mean, the, the, yeah. I wasn't trying to say that with a downturn, um, <laughs> but like, and you know, and he he does like the variety because, of course, you know this this month's kaleidoscope is not going to be the same as one that you had six months ago because they <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they do what they do, right? But uh. he's happy with that regularity of a kaleidoscope <clears throat> is still going to be a kaleidoscope from Wyvern and true yeah. it's just going to have yeah. different notes and he's comfortable with that type of variety and so uh -huh. i think it's perfectly plausible that someone might do not uh might not enter this so we just missed that segment but why i want to bring this up is they're also not the people who's like doing a lot of they might be doing a lot of shopping at a bottle shop 
and they might switch but for them to switch it's still kind of the like well they need to like that one over here more than over here but that's yeah. just a matter of time anyway mm. like someone yeah, puts I... a, uh, some other shop carries the beer that this person wants and they just want to have this beer regularly they're gonna if they find a new one and like actually like this more they'll switch to it and so it while i'm bringing them up i don't think it changes the equation that we're talking about which is essentially People who are enthusiasts who go to bottle shops are looking for new, but they're also looking for just this level of quality. And yeah, you know what? I might be like, ah, I, I think I want a Vault City. I'm still going to go to the bottle shop because what else is there that I might not have figured out? Like, mm -hmm. that's the mind of the craft beer enthusiast. And so they're always going to go to the place where the variety is for sure. outside of lockdown. So I think... Like, yeah, I could go to Tesco's, but then if I go there and I decide I didn't want that I one thing that. I know they had, I'm now stuck with, I'm not going to say other brands that I know are at Tesco's because I didn't want to slag people, but you know what no, I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm now stuck I, I, with yeah. a lesser variety. Yeah, I, I completely sure. agree. I've, I've walked through uh, Morrison's, which is like my local supermarket, and uh -huh. gone, oh, I'll go and have a look. At the beer, and I've gone. I had that. I had that. I've had that. I've had that. I've had that. I've had that. And I go. Mm, this is nice. I could have that, but I've already got like ten can, ten cans of varied brewers, various styles at home. That I picked up from a bookshop. I'm not going to bother getting anything today. I'm just going to go yeah, and enjoy yeah. the beers I've already yeah, got. Exactly. That's yeah, that's but... what I think it, it comes down to in, in supermarkets for the for the most part. I think this week will be very different. I think there's yes. a, a lot a lot of breweries going into supermarkets, and there will be a glut of, of people. Kind of wading in to either have a go or or just to be just to be curious and nosy mm -hmm. as to as to what it's like um which is absolutely fine but then once this week sort of dies off um i do think that it's your you know you pick up some beers with your weekly shop you know you don't rush to tesco to buy craft beer yeah um i, I would struggle to imagine baskets at the checkout with only craft beer in them you know? <laughs> um that's me sometimes going to the tesco <laughs> I mean, didn't come uh, milk. <laughs> I, didn't to, <laughs> I didn't want to point any fingers, but you know. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's really interesting to me and and seeing how the industry has kind of um, come back and spoken about it. It's obviously a very very hot topic, and I, I do not work in a craft beer bottle shop, so I, I can't have any anecdotes from that side of things. Um, and I, I do wish someone was always here to to chime in from that front when I when I say anything about it. Um, However, certainly from my kind of anecdotal experience, it's um, it's not quite the doom and gloom that some people would say it is. And we actually saw from our comments on, on Thursday when we put the blog post out and kind of made the announcement that it was happening, um, I was absolutely shocked. So I started the day dripping in sweat, like <laughs> anxious as the day is long. And um, yeah, just dying for the end of the day when I could crack a beer and forget it all happened. So thanks for bringing it up for me. But um, yeah, myself and Steve were both like, I had my laptop, I've got two screens up at work, I had my phone out, and um, I was like on all four screens for about four hours constantly responding to people, putting stuff out, talking about people, having conversations, putting them in different places, and Steve was doing the same thing from his personal account as well, so on forums, on the blog, um, on our social media channels, on email. It was just absolutely flooding in, and I was so overwhelmed. I was almost at the point of tears with how positive it was. Mm. It was incredible. Excellent. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I think I counted less than 10 negative comments. Wow. And of, and of those, half of them were pretty neutral comments, I think. Um, I, I hope the people that made those comments think that's a fair assessment. 
Um, but they're along the lines of like, hey, I don't like this, but I totally get it. I read your blog post. I think it's great for you guys, but I'm out. And for me, that's that's obviously a negative comment, but also with a lot of decorum, which I thought was yeah. good. Mm. There's um, mm. a lot of people kind yeah. of jumped in and said, hey, I'm going to be brutally honest here. And then we're actually very civil and pleasant, <laughs> which was really nice. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how much of that is down to um, Vault City as a brand. And we're very friendly and open and honest about everything. And then, like, I, I ended up retyping the same comment several times, which was honesty, clarity, and tasty beverages. <laughs> and and that's kind of what it's all about. You know, we, we're here to do what we do, and, and we've never pretended to be anything different. Um, mm. and, and that is making, making tasty beers and being honest about what we're up to and, and how we do it. So I think there's a, the big honesty part was, was huge for us, um, but also our kind of history as a brand and what we've been up to in the past, I think people kind of got it a bit more. Um, and yeah, yeah. Also, I think that that kind of very open and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not sensitive, that's the wrong word. Vulnerable, maybe? That's also yeah. not a good mm-hmm. word, but in that kind I of vein, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine, yeah. Was, in that kind of vein, we, we've opened ourselves up to mm-hmm. it and, and said, like, here it is, cards on the table, like, heart on the mm-hmm. sleeve, here it is, let's have it. And people respected that. I went, you know what? I, I think uh, Steve's favorite comment from the whole day was somebody just commented, fair fucks. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> this person gets it. That's brilliant. Yeah. So um, that was kind of the... That was the overall takeaway from it. Those people were incredibly thrilled for us to be making this big business move, and they're really excited to be able to get Vault City beers where they normally couldn't. A lot of people mm. don't live near a specialty craft bottle yeah. shop. That's, yeah. the other, that's the other echo chamber bubble thing that we were talking about. Mm. Is yeah. that you know the, these conversations are so insular, and we are not normal people. You're absolutely right. Like we're definitely in the minority that we go seeking out ridiculous beers at ridiculous prices all over the place. Um, Whereas a lot of people don't live in in an area that they're able to do that, which is a, you know, is by the by, that's just what it is. But now they're able to go to Tesco and pick up sour beer, modern sour beer on the shelves in Tesco, which is, in my opinion, fucking dope. So, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of, <laughs> kind of what think... we've been saying uh, every, every time this conversation comes up about, you know, because mm. we, we, we have episodes like, oh, they're now in, you know, Brewery X is now in Supermarket Y. Yeah. Uh, and like, and, and the conversation is almost always along these lines. And then we kind of always conclude the same way, which is more access is better. And mm. if the yeah. quality of the beer is fine. And we even say this about we're heretics, as we've said this about um, takeovers. Mm. Like if a corporation takes over a craft brewer, but lets them do their own thing, that's fine. Historically, yeah. Almost never happens. Almost never. Right? Yeah, right. But the it's, point is, what matters is, are you treating happen. your customers okay, and are you making it good did. beer? And yeah. anything outside of that is just people not liking other people having access that's different, which yeah, is just like gatekeeping. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like if you, and especially when it's like, oh, it's in a supermarket, I won't have it. It's like, oh, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did not say that, but I think. Yeah, yeah, no, this is... <laughs> yeah, no that's, that's purely yes. You may PhD it. calling you an asshole. <laughs> you may not drop or, or say X and Y, but it's like I've seen other beers in Marks and Spencer and brew by numbers in mm-hmm. Marks and Spencer, and I'm always like, I do. Don't always wonder about that. Them. 
Do not just stack, you know, stock your one brewbine numbers. I'm like, why is there not more? <laughs> Do uh, more. I'm always yeah, like, I want more, more of these in Tesco. As if I could just go to my local Tesco and pick up, you know, every beer under the sun, I'd be happy. But I'm also happy to just go to, you know, go to the brewery, go to the bottle shop, yeah, support sure. as well. It's not a replacement. It's just an addition. It's an addition for me to spend more money. Yeah. <laughs> mm, <laughs> dangerous. A dangerous yeah, addition. Sure. And I was going to say, like, you sweating and, you know, tearing up when you made the announcement. I was just thinking that might be the habanero chili beer. Yeah, that was, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the habanero chili the night before. <laughs> Talking of beers, like... I've opened yes. a beer. Oh, you've already yeah, opened yours? I was going to say, we're cracking on a little bit on the on the old schedule. So we, are, the, we are, we yeah, are. We've, we've, we've only got a little bit of time left this evening. I do want us to touch a little bit on uh, on gaming, Andy, because oh, yeah, we had a oh, little crap. bit of a chat okay. about that over, over messaging. Uh, but I have opened up Pies in the Skies, which is an 8.5% beer. Um, the flavor text says, it's synonymous with sunshine. Here. Our Sky series is back with a modern sour beer mashup, taking two of our favourite silly sours and blending the concepts together for a transformational beer. Double crust raspberry pie and strawberry skies meet in an explosion of red berries and pastry goodness. Two of our most loved and highly sought after beers are united in one bottle. Rich, juicy raspberries and strawberries amplified by hibiscus flour and our house mixed cultures fermentation. Rounded out on the finish with lashings of vanilla and pastry-like biscuit character. Beautiful. Is anyone else drinking pies in the skies? I believe Lucy might have. Oh. Are you still on the pies? I can you Are you on the pies? I will be on the pies. Nice. Right. Uh, pies in the skies is wild. Yes. Uh, I've, I'm drinking the blueberry lemon drizzle sour. Oh, yes. It's an 8%. Uh, what is this? Oh, a modern sour beer. Oh. Hey, look at that. What are the chances? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. so... Uh, one area of inspiration for our modern sour beers we are particularly fond of is baked goods. This silly sour recreates a blueberry lemon drizzle cake in tart liquid form. A heavy dose of local blueberries provide a deep, rich berry backbone. Sweetness from the berries and the a malt bill is topped with a vibrant lemon drizzle. Zest bursts from the aroma and lingers on the finish, where together with the acidity of our house-mixed culture, the citrus turns the spotlight back on the blueberries. Right. Nice. Great copy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Andy, what, what beer have you cracked? Um, I've gone in for the, the blueberry lemon drizzle as well, mm -hmm. although <clears throat> there's a bit of a, a trend and a, a theme running through the beers in my house where I take all the pictures for the beers, Yep, and uh, and red coffee and stuff like that. And more often than not, the beers haven't been packed yet when I take the pictures, so I have to get a label and stick it on another bottle to make it, <laughs> make it look like the beer. So I've just nice. cracked blueberry lemon sour, uh, blueberry lemon drizzle, but I am not convinced that's actually blueberry lemon drizzle. Can I just see the color of your beer? Oh yeah, this is this is. Yeah, that looks a little different. I yeah, it looks a little milkier. Mm, it looks like lighter. apple cran, actually. Yeah, I think this is apple cranberry just with a, a blueberry lemon drizzle label on it. <laughs> like that's exactly. I mean, that's like that's that's great to me. It's less yeah. good for you. You're not getting what you're thinking, but that's a great story. I love that. I was really oh, yeah, excited man. that I, uh, I I picked up the right bottle there out of the out of the pile, but nope, sadly not. Just did I drink it? Then it will forever remain a mystery. 
because I had the <laughs> the blueberry and lemon drizzle. Oh no, you would have had the blueberry lemon drizzle. It's just the beers in my house. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Just the, the special, the special beers. Is blueberry lemon drizzle. Mm. I really like that 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 peek behind the curtain of like yeah yeah. I mean it makes sense, right? Marketing, you got to get things ready yeah, beforehand, etc. Yeah, every now and again it, it slips ahead of us, but um, mm. I <laughs> yeah, there's a. Uh, yeah, I was about to reveal a secret too far, but we'll, we'll hold on to that one until we stop recording. <laughs> Sounds good. How is the potential apple crown? Oh, oh. this is the pies in the skies. Oh, I'm, I'm asking. Uh, oh, it's, oh it's, sorry. It's, it's, it's delicious. It tastes exactly like the last beer I poured, which was the apple cranberry. <laughs> uh, that's what I, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's, I, could, I was not totally keeping track. Oh, well, I am sorry to hear it's that because so you don't get a new flavor, um, but I'm, I guess you're it. used to most of these. I, I've had a few of these before. It's all good. Mm, mm. Um, how about the Nicole, pastry. how is the pies yes. in the skies? The pies in the skies. Uh, Lucy, why don't you crack us off? I was just going to say, like, when I smell it in the bottle, I was just, I didn't even associate the pies with it, but it just smelled like that very, like, like slightly burnt brown sugar. Like, yeah, kind mm. of like demerara type. Yeah. Style. Yeah. Maybe leave a pie in and it gets that nice crust on it and yeah that's the way I mean, just yeah. looking at the bottom of the back of the beer it says double crust and it's just like yeah i'm there <laughs> again I'm, I'm smelling it ben so you you drink it no no I, and, it, and that comes through very much in the flavor and that um for sure that sort of pastry uh, uh flavor runs all the way through so again whilst yeah. it is a big flavor it's full of fruit there's just that nice pastry kind of backbone to it mm. That just stays and stays and stays, and the and the fruit yeah, kind of definitely. kicks in and lifts a little bit, and is a little sharp in places, but it just balances out very nicely with that that sort of that, that pastry backbone. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Oh, so I'm just staring at the coloring of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's like right at the end. Just when I think it's. Like slightly going to get into too sweet or sour, just pulls back. Yes. All yeah. of a sudden, yeah. and mm. oh, that's brilliant! It's yeah, very, beers, very easy. This beer, this pies in the skies beer, is um, as you mentioned in the description, a, a kind of mashup of two of our, mm. our favorite and most popular beers. So we did a double crust raspberry pie, <clears throat> um, which was huge for us, a, a big success, and, and kind of uh, one of the biggest sort of. Um, baked goods inspired beers that we've we've done down that that sort of pastry sour root um and also strawberry skies which i mentioned before is sort of the prototypical modern sour beer it was the the first beer that that really put vault city on the map along with the mango inferno um mm. which I, I mentioned at the very beginning when i first tried the beers at, at bristol craft beer festival it was the strawberry skies and the mango inferno that i had to go of and they were the beers that really made waves and really made made a big impact in the beer scene with, with what Vault City were up to and, and still are up to. Um, and that's now coming around again. So we brewed that one on the on the kitchen stove. We brewed it twice in Dundee and we're going to brew it at the end of this year in, in Edinburgh. And it will be an annual nice. release forevermore, the, the Strawberry Skies. Um, but the idea of the, the pies in the skies was a little bit too good to pass up. So we, we mashed these two, two recipes together. Um, so the Strawberry skies is strawberry hibiscus and vanilla, mm. and Ooh. then the the raspberry double crust pie is the um, huge raspberry dose, and um, all the the malt bill and sugar to to give you that pastry kind of character. Yeah, 
and it's just it doesn't taste like what is it eight point five percent? No, not at all. Just a like lot. the blueberry. Uh, yeah, our beers are pretty notorious for for that side of things of, of being pretty it's up there and actually being super smooth. <laughs> and that yeah. all comes down to our, our house mix culture, you know. Our um our mix culture is a land race yeast combination for the most part, um which is all like the uh, the Baltic area of a farmhouse. So not the, the Scandinavian side, but the other side. Okay. And um, I can't remember the name of any of the countries there right now, unfortunately. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia? Yeah. Lithuania sounds good. That sounds like something I've heard before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the, the territory that this, these yeast strains have come from, among other places as well. Um, and they're very, very good fermenters. They're very voracious fermenters. But they kick out like this beautiful, fruity, tropical character. And mm -hmm. also don't have any real kind of big, burny, boozy off flavors at all. Yeah. They're actually very forgiving on that front. They don't really kick off that many off flavors. When they do, it's spectacular. And that's when we pour beer down the drain. Um, <laughs> we, we throw away about 10%, I think, of our beer. Wow. So we throw away a lot. Like, people keep asking, when are you going to put out a bad beer? It's like, well, never, because it's, it's a bad beer. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's not what we do, right? So um, our kind of mantra is if it's not a solid nine and a half out of ten, then it's it's but a bust for us. It's, it's not, not a Vault City beer. Enough. Yeah, exactly. And if it's not a Vault City beer, we're not going to put it out. Um, what about like so, yeah, Safe we, Town? We Could you have an off-brand called Safe Town? Safe Town. <laughs> 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 Average Alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because even Sorry. though... It looks quite thick, and you know, you've got the oats and the cream in it, but it, it's not a heavy beer. And obviously, no. the sourness is, you know, counteracting anything that you get from the viscosity and the heaviness. Yeah, for but sure. Yeah, it's, just, it. it's just as easy drinking as, yep. say, the uh, the watermelon one that I had, first of all. I think the only thing that's. I, I, I'd say this is even easier just to drink than the um, apple cranberry mm. one, because probably because. I feel the apple, apple cranberry one had a little bit more acidity, so it was like mm -hmm. pausing to drink that one. Whereas this is just like this is just as easy as a watermelon one. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I agree. This is this is the easiest and smoothest beer I've had this evening. Definitely, yeah. it's funny how the as the beers progress, they get a little easier to drink too. That's true. Yeah, Adam, we'll come to you for the the um, yeah, blueberry yeah, lemon yeah. drizzle. Blueberry lemon drizzle. How are you making of that? So, Okay, so it smells like blueberry lemon drizzle. Um, it smells like one of, like literally uh, one of my housemates in lockdown made a cake. It smells like this cake. That's what it smells like. It smells like a lemon drizzle cake. To be honest, though, um, the lemon, it's very lemon forward on the nose. And the yeah. blueberries are nice in the background. So you can kind of just be like lemon drizzle. And then when you, it's like, oh, it's not just that tartness. There's some sweetness, and they're like, oh, that that is actually blueberries. And I think you mentioned the blueberries are all, one of those awful, mostly water things. Yeah, for sure, they're quite difficult to get blueberry yeah. flavor in a blueberry beer. Yeah, so I think, but I I think it's that nose just immediately gets you that there's that sweetness behind mm -hmm. the lemon, so you feel like lemon and cake, but it, it is a blueberry sweetness. And I think, uh -huh. um, it's not it, it is blueberry but it's blueberry in the background just because of the nature of lemon being very forward and blueberry being very um for sure yeah reserved mm -hmm. yeah definitely this is um a really exciting one for me just i love blueberry lemon drizzle cakes <laughs> and that's a, a big one for me my blueberry muffin Oof. with my lemon curd in the middle i'm into that 
Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the lemon character being right up front on the nose and, and right up front on the palate as well. I was just saying, and the then, taste, yeah. And you get this big kind of citrus lemon hit, which washes off into this big, rich, almost velvety blueberry. Um, and the, the big body really helps there too, that it fills out. And it's almost like biting into kind of lemon frosting on top of a, a blueberry sponge, something like that. Mm. Um, and that bit of sweetness that, that comes through is, is very cakey. Mm. Yeah, I, what I will say is um, I like that the initial hit, which is a little more zesty. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the, the initial hit is lemon and then it pulls back and in the background while you're getting all the other flavors, it's still there's still lemon there and it's more zesty. It's a little more peaky, tight, ah. more bitter. Yeah. Like in that like it's zest versus like just a bunch of juice. But I think mm -hmm. that helps stitch um the rest of the beer together. It's eight percent. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> Dangerous. Yeah. Um I mean I mean, this isn't even my favorite type of pudding. <laughs> <laughs> The liquid version <laughs> um but it's real good i i'm i'm finding myself really happy with the aftertaste with the aftertaste good. i love the blueberries sitting there mm. there's like a light i mean compared to the um maltiness that was in the watermelon it's very light but it's giving some body and, and that mm. cakiness in mm. there yeah that so really you're it, it really is just like that feeling after having a, a slightly too big a slice of cake yeah. And so it's like I've had a lot of it. It's, it's the taste is sitting in my mouth. That's the feeling I'm getting when I'm with this undercurrent of just consistent zest. Yeah. Um. But what I'm really liking is that head of lemon. So like I, if I, I happen to be preferring right now that like lemon hit. So otherwise, I think I, I could nurse this beer or something fierce. Like I could just let it sit because those tastes are just sitting there and they're very luxurious and they're it's like. Not quite decadent, right? It's it's mm. just because like, like decadent in the sense of like enjoying your dessert slowly. Not For decadent sure. in the third sense of like these really deep, rich flavors. It's actually these light, very strong flavors, but aren't ah. aren't those like you know you think decadent? You think like deep chocolate and maybe yeah, I don't know a cherry from the other side of the world that was grown by a penguin or whatever these things are. Um, <laughs> I mean, I want that, that, that beer now. Nice beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find you the cherry, and then you can make a beer out of it. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my my analogies also go out the window after a couple of beers. So what what yeah, what I like about it is it sits there, and so if like I could see myself, um, especially like at the end of the day, just like just nursing this, but mm. I can also see myself at the beginning of the evening starting with this and just like chasing the the bit of the lemon hit while being able to take my time switching back and forth it's a really interesting gear shift because it flows mm. really well but there is you know on subsequent hits i'm still getting enough lemon from the initial like there's a burst of lemon on every hit so, yeah, so sure. if i wanted that lemon i can get it but if yeah. i want that like cakey blueberryness i don't have to do anything you can just yeah, let it sit in me all by yeah. itself nice yeah really great that's wicked that's a, a yeah, great way to put it. Good, good. Yeah. Um, let's uh, just finish out the episode just with, a, a, I suppose, a brief five minutes, Andy, uh, just to touch on video games. Um, yeah. I, I know you've mentioned a couple of video games you play, but what's what's your usual sort of uh, game that you like to play? Uh, is it something that you kind of all get into at Vault City? Um, 
So we, um, yeah, so personally, I, I like a, a kind of broad range of stuff. Um, I'm not particularly tied into one genre of video games at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a, a, I'm a console player. I don't have a PC, unfortunately. So I'm a, a PS4 kind of guy. So a little bit restricted to that. Um, but I've actually been this beautiful studio white wall behind me is uh, actually my kitchen and i've been nice. kicked out of the living room tonight to do my podcast my partner is playing final fantasy 10 2 the remake <laughs> <laughs> we we downloaded her for her birthday a couple weeks ago. oh 10 nice. that's the that's the um the old Luna female and yufa yeah uh, yuna yeah the the change change your clothes change your role kind of type yeah right I, I think so. Actually, I think she's playing through 10 just now. It might be 10 and 10 2 in the same oh, one. Mm, mm-hmm. So she's playing through Titus, Titus's story. Uh, okay, yeah, then it's 10. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So we're getting finish. a good nostalgic <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a post the other day that it, it came out 20 years ago, not like yeah. a, few, a few days ago. I was like, oh man, that's that hits, that hits different. Jeez. Yeah, 20 years of Final Fantasy uh, 10. Yeah. Anyway, I just realized so, that every guest is more qualified than me because every guest plays Final Fantasy and I don't. <laughs> no, but that's why you're qualified, right? Because we, we need a non Final <laughs> Fantasy fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan, but I've, I've not played any of the games. <laughs> have to or I've, I've dabbled. I've had a little go here and there, but I, I do love them, but I've never actually completed one of them. So that's my, uh, that's fair. my admission yeah. of Final Fantasy scene. Um, yeah, so I, I like a huge amount. I'm currently replaying The Witcher 3 for the, the third or fourth time because I fucking love it. Mm. Um, and I've just got off the back of a couple of other kind of role-playing games. Um, played through Last of Us 2, which was ace. Really enjoyed that from both sides of the story, which I know is a bit controversial. Um, not here. Yeah. No, absolutely not here, no. Okay, okay. So before that, I don't I, actually know what it means because I've read all spoilers on two because I've still yet to play one. I knew oh, there's man. no no there's controversy, but that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, there's there's controversy. It's good. You'll enjoy it. So um, yeah, and before that, I rinsed through God of War really quickly. And surprise, favorite game ever, I think, is Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh, nice. Oh, not a, that not that much of a surprise. My yeah. favorite game was 2017, so you're in good yeah. company. Wait, no. What year did it come out? 2017. 2017, 2018. Yeah. No way. Now available oh, I... through um, the PlayStation Play at Home uh, thingy. came out today, really? I think, for I'm anyone really that has a PlayStation. I bought it and played three hours of it and haven't touched it, and now it's new. Hey, you can yeah. you can get it for free, free I mean, with, with yeah. the DLC. Yeah. From oh, with the DLC? Day. Oh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Well, now, do you think if I own the original, will it give me the DLC for no, free? Probably not. It'll probably all completely yeah, break I'd, I'd and destroy the Those three console. hours in 2018, or whenever I finally yeah. bought it, have just oh. ruined me from getting free everything. Yep. Ah, uh, nerds. <laughs> what were we saying? Oh, yeah, you were telling us about RPGs, and I was all like, ah, Zero Dawn. Uh, Your favorite game, Horizon Zero yeah, Dawn. That, that's, my, that's my kind of recent playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at Vault City, we've uh, got a Switch in the brew, so we're big on party games. Nice. Nice. Ooh. Surprise outliers. Um, a chap I, I named earlier called Haig, who came from the, the Dynamo Bar to be part of our kind of tent packing crews, now full time, and moved in with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haig's one of my, my favorite human beings. He's just brilliant. Um, he didn't have a smartphone until he came to Vault City because he needed to be able to have emails on his phone. So he had like a a flip phone and he's had the same flip phone for i think about 12 years which is great 
<laughs> Good um, luck. He's a very talented musician. <laughs> and um, yeah, hates all kind of forms of technology, I think. But he's actually building us a, a old school arcade machine. So oh, wow. An arcade machine with one of his pals, and he's in the like, process of, of doing it up. Um, so like Time Crisis 2 type era arcade machine. Nice. I think he's going full Wait, Raspberry you... Pi with all the all the games on it. So there's a, a joystick button bashing, and then there's yeah. also the, the guns as well, the gun holster. Which means he's got he's found he sourced a CRT. Very game. possibly. I tell you what, I will I will off air send you pictures and and please and do because yeah. 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 it looks incredible. Um, but unfortunately, he's a little bit too busy on the packaging line at the moment <laughs> to be working on it too much, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, so we we just the other day had a bit of a had a bit of a blast on Mario Kart, and nice. um, you know, quite a few of us are gamers. Joe's a big gamer. Steve, the owner, is a big gamer. He's really into COD. Um, apparently, his kill death ratio is impressive. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and um, one, one, I think yeah, that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything yeah. above 0.5 is good. <laughs> so yeah, we're all we're all kind of big gamers in different different respects. But um, Haig came out of nowhere and absolutely thrashed us all on Mario Kart. Like, nice, completely thrashed it. Having prefixed it with uh, oh, so what are the controls? And then just absolutely killed it. And of at course. End, at the end of the first race, he's like, "Yeah, man, it's just like the N64. It's all transferable." <laughs> I was I was waiting for, it, for, the, for the like, yeah, it's this one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So and my yeah, problem yeah. is, I I I like uh, cut my teeth on Mario Kart on the DS, mm, mm-hmm. um, and then the Switch Mario Kart is different. So the way you get blue sparks is different, and so. I just yeah, I have so much muscle so memory. I worked in IT for mm-hmm. a long time, and every lunch hour we all used to play eight-player DS Mario Kart oh, yes. in the break That's room. And so I just I see that like my brain is like, right, you're starting to slide. Do like hit your bumpers in this hit way, bumpers. you'll get blue sparks. And in fact, what no, it does is hop you around and make you go slow. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, cool, I suck at this game. Like I <laughs> fundamentally have because of a game in a career I haven't had for over 10 years. Um, mm. I can't play this new game. The, the only one I've ever liked or play, really played is the original Smash. one, NES. And then yeah. I was at a bar and they had like Tony Hawk and I like just destroyed everyone at that. But nice. they had like Mario Kart N64. I'd never had an N64. So I was like, where do I put my <laughs> finger? Yeah, I wear it on my head. <laughs> what is this? Why, why are there so many prongs? Yeah. Why is it 3D? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I all like all I think of when I think of N64 is just ba da ba da. Done with the, the big head code. Yes, <laughs> Sla- uh, like slaps only. Odd job, just running around, just chopping constantly. Oh, I was um, going to ask what a game, and now I forgot. <laughs> well, I yeah. think for the evening we are uh, we are out of time. Um, yes. So I it would be so much about beer. I'll have to come back out and talk about video games. Absolutely, absolutely. Sounds we'll, great. We'll, yeah, we'd love it'd be to great have to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, completely, completely. Um, Andy, if people want to uh, get hold of you, get yeah. hold of your beers, or follow you on the socials, uh, where do they come to do that? Mm-hmm. Excuse me, taking a sip of my beer. Um, so yeah, all the the Vault City socials are Vault City Brewing with with various forms of at and slashes beforehand. Mm-hmm. So Vault City Brewing will get you to all of our social media, so that gets you straight through to me as well. Um, if you want to take a, a short path, if you want to take the the longer response path, 
then you can uh, get me at Voltsy Andy on uh, on pretty much everything with forward slashes and ats before. Um, or drop us an email to, to info at vaultcity.co.uk. Um, and you can get through to that email address through our website as well, which is vaultcity.co.uk. So all pretty, pretty straightforward. Say it like you see it, name of the brewery, and uh, nearly every way that you try and get in touch, it'll be me on the other end. So nice. <laughs> um, come and come and say hey. That'd be cool. Perfect. Good. Good. Um, are you are you guys lined up for any uh, festivals for the for the summer? Yeah. So we just got confirmation through today. We're doing the Edinburgh Craft Beer Festival, mm-hmm. the Manchester Craft Beer Festival, and the London Craft Beer Festival. All nice. Bristol Craft Beer Festival theme. Um, I'm still trying to work on them to get me a spot in Bristol because I like coming back to Bristol for, a, <laughs> for five Come or six down. years. Absolutely. Come um, to Birmingham. So I'll please. definitely hang hey, up with you. Oh, the, the <laughs> Beer Central one's off the list. No chance. Yeah, no, we'll start <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Next year, man. No, there's, uh, if, if we can on that one as well, I'll be, we'll be there with swimwear. Nice. Um, so trying to get out to as many as we can this year and, and try and see as many people as we can, which would be ace. Um, yeah, then we're going to Liverpool Craft Beer Expo, which is mm. one of my, my personal faves. A couple of pals of mine run that one. And also the Derby Craft Beer Festival. Oh, that's a good spread. Yeah, I think that's all of them. I've probably forgotten a really important one, but um, I'm sure they'll forgive. Again, if people follow you on the socials, they'll be plastered sort of as and uh, when those announcements yeah. sort of come up as well, sort of thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. I'll make Perfect. sure everybody knows what's going on. Good. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. If anyone wants to get hold of us, we are Tanks Up Cast almost everywhere. I'm at over underscore 47. Lucy is Juicy Lucy 9. Adel is at the Omniarch. If you want to play games with us, if you want to talk beer with us, come and join our Discord server as well. Shoot one of us on um, the socials and we will um, we will send you that. There's no time to talk about favourite beers. I'm, I've, I've got to go. I mean, ha- ha- hang out and chat between yourselves about it. <laughs> Favorite beers. Um, all but, I mean, they're all I, I, mean, to be honest, I was going to say all, it's a tough call, so they're all good. Yeah. There we go. So, no worries. Cool. That's fine. Good. Good. Uh, all right. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. No, no, no. It's been great, man. It's been yeah. It's been excellent yeah. having you on and, and kind of getting thank into it and getting into the beers as well and delving a little bit more into each of these different beers that we've been sort of yeah, um, sure. tasting this evening as well. So yeah, it's been really good to have you on. Thank you very much for thank you. joining us. I appreciate um, all of your time. For you, listener, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, or whatever time of day you're listening to us, please, if you can, rate, review, and all of that sort of stuff on your podcast service or listening service, watching service of choice. That would be perfect. For this week, we have been tanked up. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey ciao www.outoflives.net <laughs>